This week, three sides of the coin. It's the quarantine episode. And Mark and Tommy's amazing weekend with some incredible stories from backstage at KISS concerts. Oh, and by the way, it's going to start a little slow because we're kind of going over things. But guess what? Then it gets really good. It so, always starts slow. So climb the mountain with us. You're going to be happy you did. Yep. And then you're going to get an entire evening with Tommy Thayer. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin, the quarantine episode. (laughs) (laughs) One of many. One of many. Well, no, let's hope it's not one of many quarantine episodes. Uh, I'm one of your three co-hosts, Michael Branville, and as always, I'm joined by Tommy Summers and Mark Cicchini. First of all, everybody, Mark can't use hockey as the excuse to leave. There is nope. no, there's no puck dropping. Not happy about it. Tuesday nights, usually around 7.10, the puck would drop, and uh, not this week and not for the foreseeable future. So, Only uh, dropping at your house is a turd. In a punch bowl. <laughs> In a punch hey, You know what? I, I did have my annual physical, and let's just say, uh, you know, my nice once a day is working out real nice, so um, <laughs> feeling good, looking good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Chunky but funky. Well, you know what? I tell you what, being the, uh, the round Adonis is not an easy job, and uh, let me just tell you that it was nice to see all, all my chubby little vitals all looking good, and... Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm happy. So, uh, you know what? It's nice when you leave the doctor, like seeing another six months. So Plus yeah, that was Friday, you, you know, so that was yeah. just, I tell you, you know, it's funny cause with everything going on, my, my annual checkup just happened to be in the middle of all this craziness. And I was really surprised. I walked into my doctor's office and I, I was going to call the day before going, you know, if you want, I can move my annual to mid May or something. And she's like, Oh no! You can come in. No, they I walked in that place. No, dude, I was the only patient in there, and it's a big doctor's really? office. I I couldn't believe it. She's like, "Yeah, all these people are like scared to come in to touch anything." I'm like, you know, whatever. Went over, hopped on the scale, pissed in the cup. They drew my blood. Everything was, you know, I was in and out of there in fucking ten minutes, which never happens. Normally, I'm in there for forty five, you know, because I got nurses running every fucking billion ways but no one wanted to leave the house or go to the go to the doctors and i was it was kind of a weird experience for me to go there get taken care of like that and get out of there so maybe that's that's saying that people are taking this serious that if you don't have something that needs medical attention stay home you know, the doctor pretty much said that, too, that people aren't. Well, that's exactly what my first inclination was. I I was going to call. And, well, I did call. And, um, you know, they said, come on in. So I was at the dentist last week. I had to have a old crown replaced. And the dent. And I think this was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe. And the dentist told me that they were having tons of cancellations, last-minute cancellations, like 15 minutes before the appointment, people were canceling. And 
she also told me, she's like, yeah, we've got people just walking in off the street going, can I buy masks and gloves from you? Wow. She's like, we, we are running short on them and people want to buy the few that we have left. Because I, I don't know, and maybe this is naive of me, but I'm thinking if I'm going to go out, probably one of the cleanest places is going to be a dental office as opposed to like the grocery store. Or the uh, the uh, McDonald's self serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at least at the dentist, everybody's wearing gloves. They've all got masks. You watch them wipe everything down. I'm like, okay, I'm not feeling. I'm not upset or worried about this one at all. So yeah, it's crazy. But then last week, Thule, um had a cold. And she woke up, I think it was Thursday, with a rash on her back. So we thought it was probably strep throat, because that's one of the symptoms of strep. Plus, three of her best friends have had strep throat in the last two weeks. You know, well, it's going around. Yeah, it's a petri yeah. dish. So, so we immediately called her doctor, and the doctor basically said, well, first of all, we can't have both parents come in, only one parent, because we don't have enough protective gear for the parents. And they said, wait in the parking lot, call us when you're in the parking lot, and we will come down and we will put masks and gowns on you and bring you in the back way to the doctor's office. That's crazy. I, why? I don't know. But yeah, you know, things, things are... Well, well, I mean, for, for 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 those who don't know, I mean, out here in the, in, I'm in the Bay Area, but a lot of California is doing this now. It's a shelter in place, which it's not a it's not martial law. It's not like we are forced to stay inside. Um, nobody's getting arrested yet, but we are not supposed to go out of the house unless it's to get groceries, medicine, gas or takeout food because restaurants are now restaurants and bars are all closed except for takeout and delivery right so you know and school is closed i mean that's pretty common now it seems like everywhere but Dooley's school is closed at least for three weeks but how do you know this as far as the staying home thing? Have, is this something the governor said or is yes. this just common knowledge? Well, it's, you know, the governor did, the governor said it, but I don't like watch all of, everybody's doing live press conferences and I don't watch yeah. all those. Um, locally, I'm signed up to, and I don't know if this is around the country or not, but they're called Nixie Alerts, N-I-X-I-E. And they're basically emergency alerts for local communities. So they just text you and they'll just say, okay, this has now been enacted. This is what's going on. This is what you're supposed to do. I mean, they, they use these for everything from what we're dealing with now to wildfires to, you know, and, and any emergency alert. So that's where I get a lot of that information from. Plus um, the local police department has mailing lists that you can sign up to and they'll email you. So, you know, that's that's how you find out about all this stuff. But it's like a ghost town. I took Thule out. I mean, come on, people. You know, a six-year-old isn't going to want to be cooped up 
24 hours a day. What do you guys do? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I think Lisa sent that. <laughs> um, You're right, though, Michael. No one does. Nope, but it's, nobody it's, does. It's, I think it's cool that you guys are doing that. Now, San Francisco makes sense to me because I think you have so many more international businesses there. You have international travel. But then you have Detroit, which is a hub for a lot of different airlines. So you'd think there'd be just as much international stuff going on there, too. So it's interesting, the contrast between you going to the doctor and then Mark Well, I, I think part of it is also, especially San Francisco, it's a very close, small tight-knit community in the sense that it's not a big city. There's a lot of people packed into a very little bit of space here. Right. We, we yeah, that's you true. Know, it's, not, it's not like Michigan or Minnesota where you've got expansive open spaces and miles and miles of, you know, strip malls and restaurants and all everything else. I mean, you know, what is it? San Francisco is seven square miles, I think, something like that. I mean, yeah. Everything's packed in there. So, and, and as we know, that's what they're trying to avoid is close packed people. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's not going to be fun. I was, you know, if you guys remember back last October when, when we had our power outage here, and I thought that was hell, not having electricity and uh, internet and cell phone for three days. Please, I'll take that any day of the week now. Compared to what, you're, <laughs> Compared yeah. to what we're dealing with now, having the potential of four to eight weeks of being kept inside. Well, as the weather gets nicer, is there? do you have any green space at all? Like a patio or something you can at least go outside? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we've, we've got a patio that we can go out. And, and what I was getting to yesterday, I took Thule down to the local park in town here. The park was deserted. I figured it would be deserted, but you know, it's like, yeah. all right, get out, ride your bike, use up that pent up energy because goddamn, a six year old kid is like a ticking time bomb inside of a house. They just need to get out. Mike, I had the direct opposite and I've mentioned it on the show other than, you know, hockey and everything. I'm an avid bike rider and, um, I go to the, I live near a beach and I'm, you know, it's a good good nice hour and a half ride when i do the the whole thing anyways i went sunday and it was it was a beautiful sunny winter day here but it was only like in the upper 30s oh normally when i ride through the beach you know went in that sort of setting it's you know it's a ghost <laughs> town but i just i it, just saw what you said I, <laughs> that was good stuff um, <laughs> God bless him. Lisa's sweater. Well, anyways, uh, that... Um, Lisa sent it. <laughs> yes, yes. We can only wish. Um, anyways, I couldn't believe the amount of families there. I was, I could not believe how busy the fucking beach was on Sunday, after late afternoon. There were so many... Uh-oh. Kind of nice that I think people just got, you know... <laughs> said fuck it you know go out to uh a nice open space where you know there's no one around you and uh it's pretty and it was a, again it was super cold but super super nice all in the you know same sort of a situation 
with that. Well, and I, on my way here today to do the taping, uh, there was more people out walking, couples and families, and riding bikes than I've ever seen. And it's not that I was hyper aware of it. It's just that's how many people were out. Stir crazy, but I think it's also important to note that you know we're going to get through this, and that yeah. everything's going to be fine. We're going to be back to seeing rock and roll shows and enjoying Kiss shows. I mean, worst case scenario, Kiss would probably I don't know maybe they'll extend their tour, and you know what I mean. It ain't over. Well, so, yeah. So so oh, so let let let's move into some Kiss talk here. Um, and first, let me give everybody a heads up. I'm doing this from home, obviously. I'm working from home, Katrina's working from home, and Thule is at home doing videos and schoolwork. Our internet is being tapped to the max. So if there's poor quality or things are freezing up, that's why, and you're just going to have to bear with us. Um, but to what you were, you were getting to, Tommy, so for those who don't know, and I don't know how you don't, KISS postponed the last few remaining dates of this leg of the U.S. tour. Um, I count myself lucky that I got to see them when I saw them. Yeah. Because basically a week later, they postponed. There was only three dates left on this leg, but they got postponed to next fall. Um, so now people are questioning whether South America is going to happen. And... and I don't have any insight, but I'm not betting on South America happening. Mike, I, look, Live Nation just canceled everything. Every, everything. Yep. That that includes Kiss. Kiss. Yep. That includes Guns and Roses. That includes. Motley Crue and that whole thing that they were everything that has the Live Nation tag is postponed. As a matter of fact, I uh, I just got my postponement message today for the Rolling Stones. So and, I mean, and, and, and that, 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 that that's what's a, that? Go ahead. Well, I just to say, did it give a new date, or they're just saying it's postponed? Okay, it's just postponed. They said, hang on to your tickets. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, Tommy, it goes back to what you just said a few seconds ago. People, it's going to get better. It will. Yeah, we're going to come out of this. It, yes. it, it will. I mean, it's 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 bad, yes, but we'll come out of it, and we might be out of it in another month. It might be six weeks. It might be eight weeks. But you know, we're we'll we're, we'll we'll get out of it, and then there's going to have to be a lot of rebuilding. Um, you know, I saw post people who were pissed that Kiss canceled the tour, and it's like. I think people need to understand. It's not the to, choice. Well, to, to what Mark was saying, when Live Nation, who is the promoter, they're responsible for the tour. They're putting the money up. When they cancel everything, KISS can't just arbitrarily go, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go play anyway. It doesn't work that way. When Live Nation pulls the plug, every it's artist pulls the plug. So don't think that this is gene and paul trying to be greedy or act like idiots or whatever because they this was done to them well could, I, I just want to stop you there just for a second because i saw some of the most insane stupid ass 
fucking comments on a couple KISS sites um, that were, oh, they canceled those because those shows weren't selling or, you know, that, what I'm like, you got to be, are you that fucking, I, I, this is why I don't look at KISS sites. This is why I don't read the fucking comments. How, do you, do you read a news, or I guess you shouldn't say read a newspaper anymore, but do you, do you pay attention to the news or you know, reality. No, facts. It's just trying to make it fit their narrative. It's just like I saw someone say, well, this is finally going to happen now by fall. Uh, Peter and Ace will be back and you guys will all be, you know, whatever it was. It's like, this, this is why we call them the cesspools. Because mm-hmm. oh, it was, it was, and it was everywhere. This wasn't on that one because I, I don't go there. The, these comments were on, an but they're actual, all cesspools out there. Kiss site. Yep. The official kiss site. And I was like, you are. That's another thing. Why are you going on to an official kiss site if all you're going to do is run your gums about bad stuff? Tell you what, go somewhere else. I, I was just checking up, just you know, to see if I could just get some additional kiss, kiss information, you know, after the they postpone those shows. And right away, like you said, Tommy. Oh, this is it. This is they have to bring Peter. What does this have to? No, they're doing it because we're having a national emergency. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, and, and you know, on on the upside of this too, and I'm going to just throw this out there. And I told these guys because they didn't probably didn't know. Um, every Monday night, I do a thing called Monday Night Live on my Facebook page, 7 p.m. Central Time. So if you guys want to tune in, please do. It's a real estate thing. So, you know, many aren't buying or selling whatever. But we talked about it last night. I had a lot of questions from people watching about, you know, this situation can also be a positive. So if you're in a situation where you want to refinance, if the rates drop, this is a great time to do it. Or the HELOC loans, which is like a personal loan, is so cheap that look at your local lenders and your credit unions and see if maybe if you guys are trying to consolidate some debt, this might be a really great chance for you to save some money, cut your payments and make things good for a bad situation. So rather than everything is doom and gloom and bad there are some things that'll be positive out of this also too if you're looking into the stock market you can't tell me that southwest airlines for instance has lost 30 percent of its value it's down right now because the travel is down but this might be a great time yeah to take a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever and do a little investing so be smart about it and think about what you can do here to maybe help your family out a little bit everything doesn't have to be doom and gloom let me tell you if you're if you're going to invest I would do it soon. Seriously. Look, all this that came crashing down this fast, I'm not saying it's going to catapult that fast back up. No. But it's going to go back up. Um, People aren't going to stop flying. No. They're not going to stop buying Apple products. Come on. People are delaying for 30 days, maybe 60 days. That's not a lifetime. That's not destroying everything. Yeah, that's a lot of money being lost, but things will survive. We'll come out of it. You got to, as you were saying, Tommy, you got to keep hope. You got to keep your head up. You know, here, here's a here's a perfect little example. We're, by all means, we are not in a situation where we're having problems getting food. I mean, first of all, yeah. Our local grocery stores are out of toilet paper and paper towels and sanitizers like every grocery store is. I don't know why, 
but you know i don't i don't i don't have diarrhea daily so i don't need like four cases of toilet paper in the house you know one case of toilet paper could last months months mm -hmm. but Yesterday, one of our neighbors downstairs came back and he's like, hey, you know, he knocked on the door and he's like, hey, I just went to Costco to stock up on a few things. I just needed a, a gallon of milk, but they were only selling them in these multi packs, like two or three in a in a pack. It's like, do you guys want one? You know, because it is it is tough to find milk. Like when I went to Target yesterday, they were all the dairy section was completely out. Right. Pizzas were there. Thank God frozen pizzas were still there. And frozen White Castle was still there. But I couldn't get ice cream bars. Oh. But see if you got if you buy the White Castle, you're probably gonna need the toilet, toilet paper. Toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Was, was he by there? Was he was he waiting? No. Yeah. Well of course if you always if you run out of toilet paper, you can always use Packer jerseys. So there you you're go. good there. Or Vikings jerseys or Lions jerseys. <laughs> By the way, did you see Tom Brady? Uh, Tom, Tom Brady notes. going to Tampa Bay, probably. I am uh, speaking of traveling. I am scheduled to head to Florida on Sunday. And I called my neighbor today just to see, you know, kind of read the tea leaves a little bit on what I can expect. What, what's the shrimp down. situation like? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so. I will tell you the truth. I, I don't know if I'm I'm going to go now. I may uh, postpone that to just to stay close to home a little bit. I, I for me, the big thing is when I go down there, if they're going to if because right now they're not. But if they're going to close the beaches near me right now, the restaurants and the bars, they just they made the decision to close them today. And I, I actually asked my because uh, we have a. We have a place just outside of Clearwater, and um, and, you know they have a, a pool. And and I, I talked to my neighbor today, and she's like, "Well, they're only allowing right now ten people in there, and you know." And I'm like, "You know, I I don't want to go down to Florida and stay not. inside." Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, the the only good part though is it's I mean, the weather's fucking beautiful down there you know right now mid 80s and sunny and that's the whole thing I'm looking right now next week in the Tampa Clearwater area man it's it's got 85 and sunny every day and fuck it's going to be 35 here on Saturday and I'm supposed to leave Sunday and I'm like oh man <laughs> I just want I I, I, I got to tell you Mark I I not to be a, a doom and gloom on on your trip, but I bet they're going to close those beaches because today they just announced Fort Lauderdale and Miami Beach are closing all their beaches. Well, that was yesterday. They was did. that yesterday? Been, yeah, I've been really monitoring that. Plus, you know, that's what got me on the thing when you, you were talking about uh, Tom Brady going to, to Tampa. My original, because we I booked this trip three months ago, the whole reason we were going down there was to see two hockey games. You're right. And My, that's not yes. happening, obviously. We're going to go to, yeah, so those are gone. But after they did that, I'm like, well, you know, we'll see. Because at, at the time, you know, I'm like, well, maybe we'll drive up to Orlando and, you know, run around the theme parks. And then that got closed. And I'm like, well, you know, we can go to Clearwater Beach. And that's not closed yet. But, you know, I'm, I'm hearing they may, you know, shorten the hours. And, you don't want to go to Florida and have the only thing open be Red Lobster. 
four Seven Eleven delicacies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know that's the whole thing because my my neighbor said that you know you can still get food at you know at restaurants they'll you know, carry yeah. out everything. But the whole point, you know, especially for somebody who lives in you know in Michigan, I want to go, especially this time of year. I've been cooped up all fucking winter. You want to get out. I, I, yeah, well, I want to. Part of it is I've got so many favorite seafood places down there on the water to eat outside. That's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know <laughs> you're, you're, you're total disbelief there, but yeah, you know, I that's what I want to do. I want to do that, and I want to go hang out at the beach and you know go swimming every day. And yeah, I'm kind of and also too that that's another thing. Although I can do this. There's some really kick-ass record stores down there that they, boy, they love seeing me walk in, you know, because I've been going over here. Like, who's that guy from Detroit? He's gonna, he's gonna fucking. Set, set. I, I, what, I got one store. The guy holds stuff for me because he, you know, he knows the stuff that I collect. Especially, he's got. I've gotten some great Kiss stuff out of there, and um, and you know, because I'll tell him too. He's like, because the last week, he's like, when are you coming down again? I'm like, I'll be down another six weeks or whatever. Okay, I'll I'll keep stuff on hold for you. So. Sadly, I I would have to say, you need to pay attention to like what California and New York City are doing because it won't be long before the rest of the country because it's already starting to happen. Minnesota's doing it, other states are doing it. It won't be long before the shelter in place is probably issued statewide in some place like Florida, and then yes. all businesses are closed just like they are here. And, and they're going to have oh, to shut businesses. the businesses. Michael, are your businesses closed? Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of businesses are closed. You know, if, if you're not an essential business, you're closed. You're sent home. Yeah, I mean, because I still got my guys working. And, and, and that's another thing. You know, I'm in such a unique situation because not only do I have, you know, a wife and kids that, uh, you know, depend on me, I've got employees too. And, you know, what you were just saying, like that also weighs on me leaving, you know, for a week. If, you know it, what I mean? if, if it changes in, in Michigan while you're gone, you yes. want to be there yeah. to manage it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Think about off but again, we're, what we're talking about is postponing. We're not talking about quitting end of world scenario. We're just, yeah. everything's being pushed back for a couple of months. So get your taxes done, fix something up on your house, spend some time with your kids playing games, card games, make some dinners at home, do something different with your family that you don't normally get a chance to do. Embrace this time. To do that, spend some time on on um, Spotify and, and learn some new music. Find well, some well new here, here's what I was going to say. If there's ever a time that you want to support bands, this is it now. And you can't go to shows. And trust me, being in the music business, this is devastating bands right now, especially bands that tour and count on tour as their primary income source. So support them buy their music download their music buy the t-shirts join mm -hmm. the fan clubs whatever it is trust me when i say even a couple dollars can make a band go thank you so much i'm i'm <laughs> dealing with bands right now that just they don't know they literally are in panic mode because a couple months of not touring could dry up their entire source of income. Well, yeah. I, 
I brought up on the show a week or two ago, the Super Suckers, there you go, have a brand new rock and album out. They just had to cancel their European tour. Yep. So, and, and that's what these guys do. They're not, you know, some posh billion dollar band. They're a hard working kick ass band. And if you like, you know, hard working kick ass rock and roll, that's a, that's the band for you. I love them. But again, they have a brand new record out. Um, Starcrawler, who I mentioned on the show before out yep. of Los Angeles, has a brand new record. Well, a couple months old. Um, Black Veil Brights has a new one in this and, moment. And, there's so many. There, there is. And I, you know, um, I'm. The Ruby Richie Cotson. Yeah, there's there's so much new music coming out. Speaking of which, um, and we'll be getting in onto this in a, hopefully a few more weeks. My band's record is done, and um, uh, as soon as it's ready to promote and uh, and and all that, you guys are going to be. I really think you're going to dig it. It's been getting a lot of positive reviews from um, you know the places that I've I've let it out. Um, it's classic to, old school metal. Yes. Yeah. So if you well, if you it, dig, if, I tell you what, if you like Kiss and ACDC and Judas Priest and stuff like that, new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah, you'll you'll dig it. So, and we're not saying go out and, and and spend a ton of money that you need to hold on to during the crisis. But if you're not filling your gas tanks and you're not going out and drinking coffee every day and doing some of the things you normally do, take a little, just a small amount of that. And, and to Michael and Mark's point, buy a CD. You know, buy some merch. Support your bands. It's it's a great thing, and it doesn't have to be hundreds of dollars. Just buy one T-shirt, one buy, CD. I, buy a sticker. Buy spend two bucks and buy a sticker from a band. Just yeah. give them some money because right now, every penny these bands can make. And I, and listen, I'm not talking Kiss. The guys in Kiss are going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm talking the smaller bands. The the indie bands, the bands like Mark are in, where, you know, every dollar that they make determines whether they're going to be able to go to the next show, record another album, go into the studio one extra day, buy a new guitar, get new guitar strings. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it comes down to that. So do whatever you can. Yeah. There you go. And, 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 and the last thing I want to say is, my heart goes out to all of the road crew and the behind-the-scenes people in the music industry right now. Oh, mm -hmm. having a hell of a time. Oh, God. They are all, you know, if if somebody in a typical typical day would have lost a gig on tour, they would have just gone to another tour and found another tour and another tour. There are no other tours right now. I know for a fact that there's people on the KISS tour, and I'm talking road crew guys. There was a lot of tears, a lot of tears. Um, again, like like Michael was just saying, these people are just like us. They're blue-collar people. They get up, they work. They just happen to have a you know a job where they travel around the, the world and you know putting on rock shows for us. But guys, they get up, <laughs> eat their breakfast, go to, you know, put the boots on and they go to work and when they don't have that that's what they do that's that's, that's that, scary stuff that, that's their life that's their livelihood that's how they earn money and keep in mind so many of these crew members are contract employees 
So they're only hired on for the duration of a tour. They don't have benefits. They don't have health insurance from the, the tour, from the crew, or from the band. So when, when they're, something like this happens, they've got nothing. They've got no income source. So, so, so I saw somebody who was like, listen, if you know crew members who are out of work, offer them a job if you've got any sort of work for them to do because they might need it because if they don't have any income for three months that's you know that that's what can hurt people drastically because they've got families they've got wives they've got kids they've got husbands houses mortgage payments car payments so yeah you know have here here's here's what i would end with and i posted this a few days ago this is not the time to be online playing and acting like a troll right now act like a human who has some compassion because there's a lot of people all around the world regardless of skin color race religion whatever it is that are in the same exact boat yeah let's reach out to each other be good neighbors and be good human beings and help each other out. Anything you can do in your community from bringing water to somebody or picking something up because you're going to the store, just kind of think of those types of things and see what you can do to help out. It can change the life of somebody else. If you've got um, elderly people living in your complex or nearby, check on them. See what they need. See if they need somebody to run to the grocery store and stand in line for an hour to get them some milk if that's what they need all right so how about we switch gears make this a little more happy and talk about tommy and mark's weekend in minnesota before that though i have to mention something on this particular um show that just was put out for this week where we're talking with jeff from smashing pumpkins uh, and he and Mark started geeking out on Tommy Bolin. A lot of love for Tommy Bolin uh, in the comments this week on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, we hit, you know, we hit a nerve here with people and they're reaching out and saying that that's a big deal. So you just never know the tie-in with uh, well, I tell you what, go, go, go get Come Taste the Band. If Look, all kidding aside, especially if you even remotely liked Whitesnake, because you get uh, you know David Coverdale uh, in his prime, really, and Tommy Bolin. Tell you what, I'll just do this. Google a song called Coming Home off Come Taste the Band, and I think you really dig it. And it's funny because it starts out with that Echoplex, which at the time, you know, that was pretty revolutionary kind of tone and sound that he was getting. Uh, out of there Tommy was and uh, uh, it was really cool that Jeff was such a big fan as well too but again like I said uh, hey you know if you're quarantined you're sitting there and uh, I I think if you like hard rock music and obviously you do because you're here you've never heard that record that's the opening cut and uh, I think you really dig it and I also think you'll get a a nice uh, you know just the way Tommy plays. Although in, in that song, he's really, you know, using his hard rock chops. And that's one of the things that, you know, Jeff and I were talking about. 
if you listen to to Tommy Boland's catalog, he's really a chameleon. And he, again, he died at 25. Yeah, this guy, this guy could pick up a guitar. Didn't matter what session he was in. He he melded right into it. And and uh, I tell you, what, there's also too. There's a box set, and I don't know if this stuff's on Spotify because I don't have it. But uh, he had a matter of fact. Nikki Six was one of the people who helped put it together because he's a huge Tommy Bowen fan. So much so, like I said um, last episode, you know, they did teaser. Um, they recorded a cover of that. But there's a there's a there's a, a, a two record set um, that came out in the mid to late '90s called the Ultimate, and yes. that's a nice overview of uh, of Tommy Boland's um, you know career um, all the way to the stuff he did with Moxie, a great Canadian band, um, you know through Zephyr, the band he you know he was just getting started out, and obviously a solo stuff. James Gang, there's a, a the Bang record and the Miami record, both fantastic, and obviously. Uh, you know, um, come taste the band with Deep Purple. But well, and, and Chris Sari was one of the ones who made a comment about Bowling. He said, "I've got all of Tommy's stuff that his brother released yeah. and stuff with Zephyr, Zephyr, James Gang, and Deep Purple. Tommy did stuff that people at the time thought he'd be the next Jimi Hendrix, but sadly he OD'd so young. Bowling played with Lonnie Mack and many other great guitar players. So he, there, to to your point of the variety, the, all those bands are completely different. So and his brother too." Uh, has released some of this material as well. So there's plenty of, of stuff out there his, for you guys to his, check his out. His brother, Johnny. correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny. yeah, what, what, DVC. DVC yep. was a band that his brother was in out of the Midwest. Yep. Yep. One of my He's... absolute favorite albums. It was on Alpha Records, DVC. See if you can find it anywhere. It's hard to find. It's not on streaming yeah. services. It's not I remember on iTunes. The ads and circus for it. Yeah, I mean it. It's got DVC like in paint, colored paint, colored paint on a white cover. Great and album. Johnny and Johnny has been the drummer uh, for Black Oak, Arkansas, for the last twenty yeah. some odd years. So. There's a lot of community there. But anyways, yeah. I just wanted to throw that in because it's multiple comments about Tommy Boland. So that was a big deal for a lot of folks. It's, an, I, I, you know, I'll, just because I could sit and talk about Tommy forever. He, he's Please. really one of those guys that it's nice. And I tell you, today's St. Patrick's Day. I think, I arguably think that Thin Lizzy's bigger now than they were back in the day. Much the same way with people like with Tommy Bone. I think time, more people and more artists have said, boy, did you ever listen to that stuff? It's a real word of mouth sort of thing. And it's it's cool as because there's so much great classic rock, bet, you know, more so than just Zeppelin and Purple and Sabbath and stuff. There's again, you know, go as they I don't know if there's so much baby bands, but there's a lot of great music that came out of that era. And it's nice that it's getting recognized maybe 20, 30 years too late. Um, but, you know, it's getting recognized more now than it ever did. Because music is more accessible to more people now with all of the online services. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I, yeah. I tell you what, I, I'm, I was very happy. I think more people today know who UFO is than... You know, they were, they never got huge. 
And now you get so many people that just go, wow, you know, I didn't know that they did that song. I, I've even done that, you know, driving in my truck with my wife. She's like, oh, I, who is that? I know that, you know, like You Can Rock Me by UFO is a great example, you know. Only you can rock me. It's fucking great stuff, you know. And maybe they played it for a short time on the radio, you know. And I tell you what, another one of our ex-guests, uh, you know, um, the guys from, from New England. I mean, those, that's a great fucking album. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, again, there's just so much that, that's still there to be unmined, especially from you, you younger viewers. There's uh, lots of great stuff out there. So, 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 why don't you guys take us back to your weekend together? The well, I tell you what, I'm going to let Tommy run with this. I'm just going to be like, uh, was it Al Mike? Who does the color commentary? I'll just throw in the color stuff. Tommy, because you were the one who drove everywhere. You're you the do one the play-by-play, play, Tommy. Yeah. Okay, well, um, the first thing I'd like to do is explain what the KISS bubble is, because a lot of people don't understand that we refer to it as the bubble. And the bubble is a place that you end up being that you lose all frame of reference of time, location, and everything that's going on because you're inside the bubble. So one of the things that I enjoy doing that I've been um, so lucky to be a part of is, is I love to show up early in the afternoon, go into the arena and sit and watch them put the stage together because it's really interesting. It adds another element to how everything works when you see the show because you see where everything goes and how they function and, and stuff moves and all of that. Um, so we were lucky enough to, to be able to do that several times and then also watch, uh, David Lee Roth soundcheck, which his band is unbelievable. I mean, those guys are absolutely amazing. And it's so funny. Cause like, I, and I don't know the gentleman's name, but the lead guitar player, you know, he'd walk down the hallway and everyone's like, Hey Ed, you know, they all call him Ed because he's that good. He is just unbelievable. And, um, you know, what a great double bill. So the weekend started off with a couple of shows before Mark showed up uh, in Sioux Falls or Sioux City. Sioux City and somewhere else we went to. Uh, Kyle and I, and I was with Dr. Mark as well. Uh, he's another person that, that we should have Dr. Mark on the show because yeah, that guy's guy. got stories. Super nice guy. And so what Dr. Mark is, is he's an actual physician here, lives in, in the Minneapolis area. And he just got to know people through years and years of attending concerts. So now he's kind of the go-to guy that when these bands come to town, he's the one that's there to help out with different things. I've seen him give B12 shots. I've seen him uh, set up IVs for people that are dehydrated. I've seen him work on people who are having you know, shoulder issues, back issues. When we were at um, one of the festivals last fall, one of the road crew for Def Leppard, I think it was, literally fell on stage in the back, starting to move stuff, cut his knee wide open. Dr. Mark was right there with his bag, stitched him back up just so he could kind of keep moving. And so you you meet all of these different people and uh, also two people that work for the band and the road crew and all that. They're all so incredibly nice um, and just 
super easy to talk to. So if you ever see any of them, strike up a conversation. You know, you've got Fran, who is, is Paul's guitar tech, and, and Michael, who is Gene's bass tech, and you have uh, Rick, who is kind of Gene's personal guy, and everyone knows who Keith LaRue is, and a whole cast of characters. So that, to me, is part of the fun of doing what we do, is, is being able to sit around and, and forge relationships with these different people and get to know them because they're so freaking funny. I mean, they really are. So the one thing I would say cautionary-wise is if you happen to be around, um, you know, Fran, think twice before you let him show you a video on his on his phone because, <laughs> good Lord, some of the stuff he said, I'm just like, ooh. And I don't mean in a bad way, but just funny, funny. Um, and they're all just super, super generous and kind people so the shows were fantastic we really had a great time and you know mark and i when we were in buffalo we're like we got to do this again so it worked out that uh kiss was coming to saint paul on a monday night and it was easy for mark to get away but the bonus was that we put together this tommy thayer thing which you'll see later in the in the show where uh the Fan HQ, which is a local company here in Minnesota run by uh, Sean Hagland and his staff, wonderful team of people. They do a lot of sports memorabilia things where they bring in Adrian Peterson or Brett Favre or whoever to sign autographs. It's no different than a KISS convention. But, you know, Sean is a huge lover of music, so he wanted to start doing um, music stuff. So I got to know him a year or so ago and we did the first one with Ace Fraley and then we did one with, with Mr. Bruce Kulick and then uh, he's like, well, you know, the Kiss is coming to town. What can we do? I'm like, Thayer. We, you should have Thayer. It would be great, you know? And so he got everything set up and so then the night before the Kiss show here in town, Mark came in on Saturday afternoon. We did some record shopping um, and had some dinner. And then uh, the next day we did this Tommy Thayer uh, meet and greet thing where it's an hour long discussion where the fans who bought tickets get to ask questions. It also included um, the VIP package included um, a meet and greet with Tommy as well as him signing something. And that was like, it's like $69. I mean, how awesome is that? You get an hour-long Q&A, you get the, the fan experience and all of this, and people were just absolutely thrilled. Um, everyone was extremely respectful and happy to be there. It was, just, it was a wonderful event. And I think the thing I'm hoping that you guys will see in watching this video is you really get to know who Tommy is as a person. And I can tell you, he is a generous and kind and warm wonderful person he really truly is and i think a lot of that comes through and some of the stories he was telling me i hadn't heard before that were just kind of like wow you know and, and i'm not going to tell you any more than that just watch the video so <laughs> mark and i uh I, I tommy's like well you know can you pick me up and and all that and i said yeah that's not a problem you don't have to worry about a you know a driver and all that so mark and i go down to pick him up in the afternoon with his with his girlfriend, um, Stephanie and, or friend Stephanie. And, uh, <laughs> there's a guy standing outside of the hotel, you know, waiting to have all this shit signed, you know? And, and it's just kind of funny cause Tom's like, I don't want to come outside right now because he, you could tell he wasn't a fan. He was one of those autograph guys that probably had no idea that who Tommy, Tommy, called, him really a, Tommy called him a professional, meaning prof he doesn't care. He's an autograph. He's an autograph collector who eBay's. Yeah. 
yeah, he's not a fan. And you could just tell because, you know, he he probably had, he just said, okay, that, he looks like he's in the band, that kind of thing. So off we go from there. And, and we just had a great conversation on the way over there. Um, you know, it, it was just, a, it was a wonderful evening. You know, it really was. And, and so we did the uh, the meet and greet and had a lot of laughs there and a lot of three sides love, obviously, because a big chunk of people that were there were were listeners. So thank you guys for being so incredible and supportive. And I'm glad that you used your discount codes to save a little bit of money. Uh, it reflects really good on us as well. So we can bring you more of these. And I can tell you that if you're a really big fan of an artist, if we do one of these of someone that you really like come to town, you know, you won't be disappointed. These uh, are very, very special, intimate, unique events that if you're a great fan of, of an artist or a band, you will not be disappointed. Mark, what did, what were your thoughts on it? Well, number one, I want to say how incredibly well run it was. Um, I, you know, it's kind of funny cause I, you know, Tommy, we got to see everything from, you know, um, from the inside. And I think the smiles and the interaction that we had with so many um, KISS fans at that event, everyone walked out of there saying the same thing. What a great guy Tommy was. How cool this was. And I'm not just saying this because, you know, like I said, if, I, if people were grumbling, if it would have sucked, I'd say so. Right. But. I'm telling you, and and I said this on one of the previous episodes after we did this, you know who loved it, I think, more than anybody? It's Tommy Thayer. The rest of the night and even the next day, which I know Tommy's going to get to, he must have said to us a million times how much a great time he had, how cool, and I mean, this reflects on you guys, how fucking cool everybody was. If you showed up there, you were a class act. The, and again, Tommy Thayer said that, how nice everybody was, how decent everybody was. And, you know, there was no problems or whatever. It was just run really well. So, yeah, like Tommy said, you know, what's what's the fan HQ? Is that the, the yeah, name? Sean Hagland. Boy, oh, boy, um, what a great job he does. And, uh, you know, again, getting to peek uh, behind the curtain a little bit, all the hard work they do behind the scenes making sure that, you know, the artist is ready for the fans and the fans are ready for the artist. And, and let me tell you, um, four stars all the way around. I, and, and I just, saw just, so many. Just so everybody knows, Sean and Fan HQ do so many of these types of meet and greet events with sports celebrities. <laughs> yeah. He's always bringing in name football players, baseball players, you name it to do autograph signings and meet the fans. So they've got a lot of experience putting on these events and getting people in and out and treating them with respect and care. Well, yeah, and kudos to all of the different companies that are involved, like Capital City Guitars, Hi-Fi Hair and Records, and and I'm going to forget some, that also help to put this function on again without all of their support this wouldn't happen the way that it does and 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 a thank you a big thank you to tommy i mean tommy i've gotten to know him pretty well over the last three or four years 
And I can say he's a friend of mine now at this point. And I'm not saying that from a bragging standpoint. I've gotten to know him. But still, for him to actually be in a city he's not a, used to and get in with a car with us two idiots <laughs> and actually let him, let us take him somewhere. I mean, so a level of trust there. Without putting a really bag on his head? <laughs> Good. I have the ultimate kiss collectible in my hands now. <laughs> You just gotta ship him to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. How do I get him on the airplane? <laughs> and you know, so kudos to him too for 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 that as well. And it was just a wonderful evening. And so then after uh, all of that wrapped up, we uh, headed out to Lake Minnetonka. I and mean, I was trying to show Mark around the city for a couple of days. Did you I baptize him in Lake Minnetonka? No, I did not get to too cold out, and it was frozen over, but I should have. Uh, but no, but I, we did hit the highlights. I, I took him to Hong Kong Noodle, and I took him to Matt's for a Juicy Lucy, and then what was the – oh, and then we went to um, – Pizza place at like 2 in the morning or whatever. Yeah, we went to, yeah, we went to uh, Pizza Luce. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, he got, a, he got a really good kind of overview of, of the city, and we drove around and showed him Minneapolis. I ate my way through Minneapolis. Yes, <laughs> did, okay. Seafood. Did you have deep fried cheese curds anywhere? No. Oh. No, because that's gross. No, they are amazing, man. But I don't, but quite honestly, I don't know where I would take them for that, Michael. Usually, like sports bars have those now. You see, and we didn't do that. You know, we didn't get deep fried so. cheese curds. I mean, I, I I'll, I'll, curds. I'll side with Izzy on this because I know Izzy's going to love cheese curds. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. A cheese curd is great. Frying it, unbelievable how that tastes. Well, and that's a state fair thing, too, where, you know, that's how we are here. And so he got a pretty good flavor of the city. And so then after that, we went out to Lake Minnetonka because uh, the matter, which I do charity work with and we have supported in the past and will continue to do so. If you're looking to get involved with a charity or even just donate some money moving forward, Matter is a wonderful organization and, and they do good around the world as well as local. Uh, and this is some uh, charity that Gene has really embraced and he is always there. So if he can't attend these galas that they have every year he's there in spirit and he'll send a video he's donated different items to be auctioned off uh, and all of this money goes to matter fully nonprofit. and the people that run matter to uh quentin and and joe and all the folks over there super super people so anyways they were having a matter event that was closed it wasn't to the public and it was just a group of some of the biggest donors that are were local and we went to this house that it, it's a $16 million home. I have never seen anything like it in my life, and it looks like one of those mansions that people pull up to in a movie, you know, uh, like the Playboy Mansion, huge stone outside. And and so we show up there, and we got there a little bit late because of Tommy's thing, but um, Gene was there, and they were doing karaoke. And it, this place is it has two bars in it. So there's a bar in the lower level. And we're like, wow, this, this is, is a house. This yeah. is a house. It's house good. on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. And so we're like, wow, this is amazing. They're like, oh, no, you got to go down where they're playing. The, we're doing karaoke. We go downstairs past the first bar to a second room that's another 10 feet down 
that is literally nothing more than a sound stage with a bar in it. And they have like a mic drum kit, a PA system, about 10 guitars, microphones, amps, bass guitars, everything. So a band could literally show up and start playing. It was amazing. I've never seen anything before. And then all of the memorabilia on the walls you know, signed Beatle items and McCartney and the Rolling Stones and Creedence Clearwater and Kiss. And anyways, the the people that hosted that were just so incredibly gracious, as well as the Matter people. And we just had a wonderful time hanging out. And it was so funny because, you know, Gene's talking to some of the people and and Tommy is Tommy and, and, and his friend are off talking to some different people. And Mark and I are just going, Fucking, fucking believe we're here right now. <laughs> you know, we couldn't believe it. So we're just kind of standing in the standing in the corner, waiting for someone to throw us out. Well, hold on, you know? I got I got to throw this in, uh, and this is my color commentary. Uh, but yeah, people yeah, don't leave me hanging. They, they, they go, it's the podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and we're like, you know who we are? <laughs> yeah, and they all do. They yeah, I know. That was the funny part because I'm like, just trying to like, you know, I'm I'm with the help or something. I mean, this is just a really incredible place we're at. It's like, oh, it's the podcast guys, and I'm like, as hey. as, as you're describing it, Tommy, it reminded me of how it felt like we were acting at Spooky Empire at that VIP party. Yes, we yeah, were like, no, can you believe exactly. that's yes. Eddie Monster right next to me? Yeah. totally that's exactly that's a perfect analogy you know and and the funny thing is is i mean and here's the cool thing these people that were at this event are they own large companies and they're like they're just like us they're totally into kiss and they're fans and you know i saw them the next night at the show and they're like yeah you know right next to us and stuff but to mark's point yeah that was really funny and it's just it was just such a great event um, to be a part of, and we just couldn't believe that we were there. We're just like, there's just no way anyone's going to believe us, you know. And it was just it was really cool. And you know, of course, when you know, Gene sees us, he's just like, <laughs> I always get that look. Like whenever I show up to these matter events or I'm taking pictures, he's like, How did, it's 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 a look of, I can't believe you guys are here. Exactly. Did no one see you come through the front door? You know, so Mark and I are just like, they'll let anybody in, won't they? (laughs) You know, like, like, like Tommy said, everyone made us feel so welcome. And because Tommy and I at first were like two schoolgirls, you know, I just, we went, we're like joined at the fucking shoulder. We went, we, you know, like migrating birds. We went everywhere to get, because we're like, <laughs> we couldn't fucking believe like we were there. Now keep in mind, look, these people were very well to do and super nice, super welcoming. I think there's a stigma. Like when you walk in a place like that, like you're going to, you know, like, oh my God, they're, but no, it was the total opposite. Everyone was so fucking nice and so cool. And have a drink, have a beer, you know, but enjoy yourself, blah, blah, blah. Remember that at the end, the, the caterer left. It was like, do you guys want some food? No, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Mark is like, good. why, yes, I'll take it back to the hotel and sleep in it. Yeah. Wait, it's funny, though, too, when, when Tommy and I are together, it's funny, we, we, we talked about eating and stuff, but 
normally when we're together for these weekend trips, we eat like once a day, maybe twice. Because we're going like fucking – and you don't even pay attention to it. You're just like, go, 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 you know? And it wasn't yeah. until – that's a – like I said, it wasn't until – we're on the way back. It's like 1 in the morning going, um, you hungry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's closed. And he's like, well, I know this pizza place, you know? And uh, sure as shit, man, we went to this – what was that place, place called again? Pizza Luce. Man, the pizza was fucking dynamite. And I kind of I kind of overbought because I uh, – <laughs> my – oh, it was so good. But I ate it the next day. <laughs> pizza. <laughs> I, well, I hadn't eaten all fucking day. I was so hungry. And so I, I like that afternoon at like three o'clock, dude. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it was so good, though. But I ate today for breakfast the next day. So. Mark, Mark, Mark's, Mark's like a cow. He's got multiple stomachs to fill. That's well, right. <laughs> and earlier in the day, we, yeah. And earlier in the day, we went to, to Matt's Bar and Grill with Bren. You know, and listening to those two is like, it, it was like sitting with Singer and, and, and Mark. I'm just like, someone shoot me in the face now. <laughs> we had a nice Tommy Boland conversation that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like, you might as well have spoken Chinese. I'm just like, huh? You know? But anyway, so yeah, it was just, it was a wonderful time and people were 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 great. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to mention that is, is that you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't say that a KISS fan is this or a KISS fan is that. Right. For all the jokes that we make about people living in someone's basement and all that sort of thing you know kiss fans are everywhere man and it, it doesn't matter where you are or what you do would, you know? would, they, would they let kiss fans live in their basement i don't know i didn't ask it would be a dream come true <laughs> although that basement had plenty of kiss stuff in it so <laughs> yeah yeah so maybe you know yep. And so it was just, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then, so to Mark's point after that, then we went and had pizza and we just basically sat there like going, can you fucking believe what just happened? That was absolutely amazing. You know? And cause I, I said to Tommy a several times, like, I know you probably think we're total dorks, but we're having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know, that was a cool thing too. Tommy was just like so casual with us the whole the whole night, you know, just just he's just a he's he's a great guy to hang out with. He's a very so, easygoing guy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, again, not only in and I look, I'm I'm proud to say this because Kiss is my favorite band, but you know, Tommy Thayer is not just a incredible guitar player; he's an incredible human being. He's just a good, good guy. And you, you uh, really it, it, you add all this stuff up, you know, because look, it's no secret, you guys. I've been friends with Eric for you know a few decades. They chose these people for a reason. These people work hard, and they're good people. And, you know, why do you think KISS is still doing so damn well? Yeah, Gene and Paul and the history they built off of it, but they couldn't move forward unless they had people exactly like Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And guess who knows that more than anything, and and more than anyone? Gene and Paul. That's why. They, they they literally got the best of the best. And, you know, again, you know what? Like like I just said a few seconds ago, not only amazing people, amazing human beings, you know, um, super talented, just good people. All the way down to the road crew. 
Yep. Everybody in that organization, Steve and Danny and, you know, all of them, they're just, they're all super wonderful people. They just are. So, um, so we finished the evening and then the next day we decide to go to the civic center early to basically go hang out. And we just wanted to be back in the bubble again. And so it was just fun to watch all of this stuff get put together and watching sound check and, and, and uh, uh, so we're just kind of hanging around and uh, it was about time for Roth to go on. And you want to tell this part or no? What's that? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused. That was a different night. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I wasn't there for that. Okay. All right. So anyways, uh, I'll just skip past that. But um, the show, you know, well, I got we we then hung out with our our great friends from this from from Gene Simmons Soda. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Um, so Gene had a meet and greet that night, and um, they bring in a bunch of people because that's another question people have been asking: Is this like a a pay meet and greet or, or how do you do this? And I can't tell you all the details, but I know that it's not a paid meet and greet. This has to do with the soda, Gene Simmons soda. Probably so distributors or local dealers. Exactly yes, and so like Michael Baldwin, a friend of ours. Uh, who works with High V, who's a massive Kiss fan, has really made a lot of effort to help with Gene Simmons Soda getting into High V's. And so when they were when they were here in town, they were going to do some kind of a High V thing that didn't end up happening. But a lot of those people, and then several of the Matter people, ended up uh, coming to this Gene Simmons meet and greet. Uh, and so we were there and I just said to the guys, I'm like, well, you know, because everything was running behind. I'm like, well, I've got my camera. I'll just take the photos. That way, you guys, we can get through the line. Everyone's going to get a really good photo. You're not going to have any problems. It's not going to take you a really long time to do. And I think that even Gene was surprised at how efficient that was, which would be odd to me because their meet and greets are very efficient. But anyway, so we got through the whole line of folks. Everyone got pictures. Uh, and then he signed some stuff at the end. And it was funny because I took a couple of pictures of Mark with him. And then I hand the camera to Mark and it's all set up and ready to go. And so Mark's just like, like this. And you don't know this part. But Gene's like, does he know how to do this? <laughs> and I'm like, he's a drummer, so probably not. Um, well, you, know, you, skipped, you, you skipped a very, very funny thing that. Uh... And please interject because I forgot. No, no, that's not so good. So I wait again. All these people are, you know, associated with the soda and everything. And I wasn't going to get my my picture taken. But, you know, the soda guys who we've had on, on the show before. Because let me tell you, those are wonderful people. If you buy Gene Simmons soda, just know that you're supporting an incredible family-run business. Those brothers are just the fucking salt of the earth. Anyways... And I, look, no one's paying me to say that. They are. Yeah. Gene Simmons Soda is great mixer yes. with like vodka and Jack Daniels and whatnot. So there, there's a reason it's, it's so good because it, it's it, from the family on down. Anyway, so 
look, like Tommy's saying, you know, we get to do this stuff. We're very, very fortunate. Very, trust me, we're this is we're humbled by it. How nice everybody is to us all the time. So I wait till the very end. And as soon as, you know, after the last person, the last person with the, um, you know, that was associated with the soda, then there's just me and Gene gives me the, you know, get my picture taken. Now, keep in mind, I had not sat and talked to Gene Simmons since January of 2018. Have I seen him a bunch of times between now and then? Yes, but we haven't like sat and talked face to face. The last time was January of, of 2018. That's when I interviewed him for the vault. And, you know, we spent a good hour together. So, you know, again, Gene knows me. And, well, he hasn't seen me since I said, oh, fuck it. And I don't dye my hair anymore. I used to keep my hair dark as you guys go back in early episodes, you know. Um, so, you know, now the hair is quite grayer. And I got, uh, got the, 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 the beard that I didn't have before. So anyways, so again, now my hair is gray. I have this gray beard. So I go up and I get my picture taken with Gene. And as I'm walking away from Gene, he gives me a Spock, you know, pulls me on the on my neck, pulls me back to him and whispers in my ear, is this a good time to tell you what I want for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> I just shot him a look like, you're a funny guy, Simmons. <laughs> yeah. so, again, that's that's the kind of, that kind of gold, if you will, is, you know, like what Tommy says, you know, all this stuff is so cool, but then to have that kind of stuff, and, and trust me, we've got some more stories like that coming up here towards the end. Um, well, yeah, because like even we were in the car with, with Tommy the night before, and, and Mark said something like, yeah. We got a kiss guy in the car. Tommy even actually stopped and washed it before he came to pick you up. <laughs> oh. So anyways, uh, we, we did the, and oh, by the way, um, big assist to Michael Bramble. You don't even know this, Michael. When you sent us that picture of those hard to find event promoter posters, promoter posters, posters for St. Paul. I'm just going to say that I went and asked somebody associated with 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 the venue if I if if there was a way for them to get me one and they did. So Mark was on a mission to find yes. a poster. <laughs> well because I originally thought like everybody else did that those are at the, you know that but Tommy and I earlier in the evening went out and looked at the merch. I didn't see anything like that. No, they were they were made for the venue, and there was only fifty of them made. Yes, That's and they were made specifically thing. for the. And do you do you have it nearby? Can you yeah, show it? Yeah, these are silk screen posters. They're probably eighteen by no, maybe not eighteen by eighteen by twenty four, and they're very cool. But they were made specifically for the event, but they were not for sale. Um, the thing that I got a hold of that I was coveting was I have one of the posters that says. Um, you know, kiss into the road, uh, final tour, St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, like one of them that they hang in the walls in the, in, in backstage. There was two of them and I got one of them and it's, it's gotta be six feet by four feet. 
And that's the one that I wanted. And Mark saw this and he was just going to, I thought he was going to go into coronary, coronary arrest if, if he didn't get one of those. So luckily he spoke to someone early enough in the evening. Good? Can you guys see that? Yep. Oh, that looks yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's even better looking in person. It's, uh, let me tell you, again, I love stuff like this because I'm such a poster geek. But, uh, yeah. And uh, like I said, the person who got that for me, you know who you are. Well, and the look on his face when he saw it at first, because we were walking around and they, they had a few of them sitting out because they want the, the artist wanted the band to sign him. And Mark's like, <laughs> huh? Huh? Where, where do where do we where, huh? <laughs> it's like keep walking. And, and just let me tell you something, guys. Just as, as a poster collector and a Kiss fan, you don't want to ever, ever take anything off the wall or take something that ain't yours. So I mean, if you want one, you know, do what I did. Go. You got you got to ask. Ask for permission. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, it's just like anything else in life. If if you're polite and nice and you know, chances are then things will work out for you. But if you want to be a douchebag and try, all you're going to do is, is, is ruin, ev you know, anything. Cause they don't, you know, you can't do shit like that. You know what I mean? You, you, you gotta go through the fucking proper channels. And, um, again, I'm very happy that, uh, that, uh, was able to, to, to grab one. Also though, too, you know, that, I'm not selling that thing. I, this that's going in the vacuum, man. I'm, well, that that that's sort of like the perfect collectible because you're at the show. Yes, it's a poster. It's a poster that's specifically for that event, and it's just an incredibly cool looking poster. I mean, yes. it, it's not it's not like you picked it up just because it was it was going to be rare, but. Man, that's ugly. No, this is something. Every every listener was commenting. Everybody on Facebook was like, "God, I want that poster." God, they should do those posters for every city. I mean, everybody loved that design. Well, because the silk screen is so beautiful, and it's and and to the point of the poster, that is what the Excel Energy Center looks like. So they took the building and everything, and it's and I agree, they should have those. You know, because it wouldn't be hard to do if you had the right artist doing it. You know, you could switch out the venue and, and it, you know, make make them different. I mean, that's one of the things I think that Iron Maiden does that's really cool, is they always have the T-shirts that are specific to the city. Yeah, now Kiss is doing that too with each city they have the name on the back. Unless they go to Cincinnati and spell it wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oops. <laughs> um, it's so... Uh, yeah, it was just, you know, so then we spent a couple of hours trying to figure out how to get Mark one of those posters. Um, and the show was absolutely phenomenal, as it always is. Uh, and then afterwards, some we usually hang around afterwards for a while. Tommy, catering. Uh, well, please jump in. <laughs> I, you know, I'm letting you lead the fucking, you know, the charge here, and you keep... You it's keep running. You, you, you two are like two old grandmas. <laughs> you gotta see us when we share a hotel room. <laughs> That's gonna be oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god. That's too funny. Oh, oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. That's my so, face. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, so please interject. I forget because it runs shit runs together. 
It does. So anyways, we we walk. Let me tell you, as, as somebody who enjoys a, a good a good uh, meal, yeah. this is catering is fantastic. <laughs> they had they had crab cakes. What else did they have, Tommy? They had the they had. Oh, let me tell you, the spread back there. Tommy was, went to the Kiss show to see a band perform. Mark went to the Kiss show to have dinner. Bingo. Hold on. The band catering. The Kiss does not skimp. That was good stuff. I mean, they had they had they had fish and chicken and the cookies. Remember how good the cookies were? No. Yes, you do. We were all fucking scarfing cookies. Yes, I do. The cookies were fucking dynamite, as Jimmy Walker would say. So and then and then the cool thing is we're sitting back there and Tommy just happened. Tommy Thayer happens to be walking by, sees us back there, comes and joins us for dinner, and sat and talked to us for at least a half hour. It was yeah. uh, Doctor Mark and uh, his friends, and you and I, and Kyle. just had just another great casual conversation, just about you know music and life and having fun. And again, here we are. I'm like eating crab cakes, hanging out, catering. Life is good. <laughs> yeah, I, let me what? tell you. You know what? Whenever Tommy and I get together for these things, it's just so much fucking fun. I yeah. literally, you know, and we're not even done with our stories yet. It, it really, the next day, I'm like, I so didn't want it to end. I'm like, I yeah. want to go home. <laughs> I want to stay. I don't want to let go of you, Tommy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Me. <laughs> One of the things that I want to share with you that I got a little, we got a little bit of insight from Tommy and talking about a lot of different things. Cause normally when we sit down, we're talking if I'm talking with Eric, we're talking about a lot of different things. We don't ever talk about kiss, but for some reason that came up at this dinner and we were talking about set lists and that type of thing. And he was talking about different things they want to try and all that. And I said to him specifically, I said, I love King of the Nighttime World. So, like, if you're going to switch out, like, say, Do You Love Me for another Destroyer song because you wanted whatever that might be. And he was like, yeah, you know, we love playing that. But he's like, we don't get the same crowd reaction out of that song as we do of, say, like, Do You Love Me? And so that also tells you that part of the reason they chose the set list that they chose is not only is a good representation of the history of the band, but there's a specific reason. They don't just go, okay, well, let's just play this. I'm telling you, of all the songs that night, and I would say on the shows I saw, Tears Are Falling was my favorite song of the whole set list. It just, there's something really fresh sounding about it, and it just was really cool. And it was just interesting to hear the perspective of how that means a lot to them, that they want the fans to have a great experience and they want to have these songs and put them together in a way that keeps the crowd engaged throughout the whole thing. And it's a two hour deal versus like you have these lagging sections when you go to some of these shows where they opt to play six songs off the new record and everyone's like, you know, so I just thought that was really interesting. Without thinking about it, Mike, did you, cause I, Without thinking about it, there's no lagging. And you just saw the show. You were the one who saw the fresh, the most yeah. fresh. Yeah, there, that, there that was, there didn't was no on accident. There was no lagging, and 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 I will admit. So there was a point where I'm like, okay, I got to take a pee. What song am I going to take the pee break for? Well, I love it loud. No, I did it for "Lick It Up" only because I've heard "Lick It Up" so many times. 
that yeah. that was the one it's like okay i'm fine if i have to miss something i'll miss that um because i didn't i wanted to make sure i didn't miss tears are falling and even say yeah i didn't want to miss it i'm not a huge sonic boom fan but i didn't want to miss that song live and you're yeah. right there was no lag it just kept going it was like oh another great song another great song another great song another great song were they deep cuts no i didn't care it didn't you know, as as Jeff from the Smashing Pumpkins said last week, they, you know, that's what's important to these bands is it's not about what the band members necessarily like. It's what is the crowd reaction? Because that crowd reaction feeds back to the band member. Absolutely. And, and that was the point I was, A, it was nice to hear it from somebody who does that for a living, you know. Tommy was very, Tommy Thayer was very point blank about it. Yeah, love it. Great song doesn't get the reaction do you love me gets and that's from the guy who's played it in front of thousands and thousands of people you know what i mean he knows yeah you know and again that's the proof's in the pudding as they say because again if you go to the kiss show boom 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 man everything's great i you know i i think i may have said it before too but I, my song of the set always is psycho circus i it's another I great one. I love that one. Yeah, and I love oh, the visual yeah. on the screens. Oh, it's awesome. I, I always love that, you know, the middle part where all the bombs go out. Yep. Uh, you know, just an incredible, incredible... Uh, I, still, I still think Psycho Circus is probably the best song for opening a KISS concert. It's just yeah. a perfect opener. I yeah. love that. I love that on the Psycho Circus tour. Every night, I seeing too. them open with that, it was just like, oh, it's just a pumped-up song. It's I don't know. It was it's such a well-written, well-produced, well-crafted song. Yeah, it don't, it's funny now because it's twenty years old now, but you know, which is bizarre. I know, I, but that that song in particular just says classic Kiss yep. to me, written all over it. Um. Yeah, maybe I know one of the I put it this way. This is one of those things that people say to me that I'm 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 very proud of. I was like, you know, one of the reasons I like three sides is you guys don't always do the, you know, don't worry, we've done these in the past, but we don't focus on best five songs, best you know what I mean? Right. Have we done stuff like that? Yeah, but that's not something you get here week after week and and stuff there's like that. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. There's it's zero wrong with it. But, but, but I think people enjoy hearing the kind of stories that you know. Some we sometimes get to tell and everything, and interactions with certain things. And I, I really think that's part of the charm of the show. But you know, I always thought that Psycho Circus kind of got a bad rap because, look, I, I'm I'm with the fans. I, I wish that. You know, it would have been Gene, Paul, Peter, and Ace playing on it and writing the whole thing. But but guess what? That's just not the real world. That's just not how things work. And as soon again, once you pull the the curtain back a little bit, you kind of get to see a different how things really are instead of how your heart of hearts wants them to be, to to be. But then, but when you you know where, where the rubber hits the road, as they say. There's some great songs that within I absolutely love, yep. and I always love Bruce Kulick's intro. By the way, that is Bruce. We are one, we are yeah. one is one yes. of my all time favorite Kiss tunes. I love like, it. That is such a to me. It's like 
that's a thank you to the fans. Yeah. Well, a State of Rock and Roll is the one. Remember, they played that briefly in Australia. Yeah. Mike, were you on that tour? Uh, or was that after your time? Uh, Psycho that Circus? Was the theater. No. I, I, I went to the Farewell Tour in Australia. That would have, no, this was, this, yeah, all right, because that would have been after, because this was with Tommy Thayer yeah. and, and Eric. Um, yeah, because they played that, I think, once or twice. I have it on bootleg somewhere. Um, well, and I also want to say, please don't misunderstand, because we're going to take a lot of heat for this week's show. We're not bragging. We're just sharing with you guys yes. because we get these questions. So we could say nothing about any of this, but I want, it's important for me as a fan to share with the rest of you guys some of the stuff that we've experienced because I want you to see what they're like, what this is like, and and kind of the spirit of everything that's going on. I mean, they're having a lot of fun doing this. Um, I also don't want to forget to touch on the fact that we just so much Three Sides Love at these different shows we were at, meeting people that are listeners. And, you know, to your point, Michael, the guy is a couple rows in front of you, just turns around and, like, gives you the shocker. And that's it, you know? And we love that. But we also get the chance to talk to a lot of different listeners. And, man, you guys are the greatest. And we love it when, when we can see you. And I apologize to some of you that we didn't get to see that I meant to. But it's like, God, it, the problem is, is that when I'm trying to go from here to here, you inevitably run into somebody, especially at a hometown show for me. I, I There was a lot of musicians and friends there. It was like this community that night with all the people that I know locally. So it's like when you're walking to, to try to say hi to someone, you know, that you're like, okay, cool, where, what section are you in? You inevitably get stopped and end up talking to somebody else you know like we were on our way in buffalo somewhere and in, in, around the corner there's kevin jepson you know like well i've got to stop and talk to kevin yeah you know, so please my sincere apologies if we were trying to hook up with you guys to say hi and it didn't work out we weren't blowing you off it's just you know you just i don't know mark got anything to say about that no everyone is i i it's nice because i've said this for years Every Three Sides listener, and trust me, there's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds from the Kiss Cruises to the shows to the expos. Every fucking person's awesome. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. just says nice things. and you know, get Except a for that one guy who called me a tool. They all call you a tool. <laughs> yeah. But, but seriously, you know, everybody's always so nice. Um, it's, it's awesome. Because, like I say all the time, the only difference between us... And anybody watching this show is that you're watching. We're the same fucking guy. We're the same person. We're just we don't we, we get as excited about Kiss as you guys get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's zero difference. We are not important. This is this is just dopey fans talking to dopey fan. Dopey fan. Dopey fan. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's it. Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's. I also want to say too. I would not be able to take the photos and share the photos that I do with you guys if it was not for the band being so incredibly generous and allowing me to do so. So I want to also publicly say thank you to KISS for being so awesome to us and being so incredibly supportive and letting me do what I do. So just because I keep getting these emails or messages, guys, I don't sell pictures. I just don't. The reason I do it is to share it with you guys. Please enjoy them and appreciate it online. But I I don't have a gallery. I'm not selling them. And it's just, I don't. 
So my apologies. I don't mean to be a dick about it, but that's why I do it. As I, I do it to share with you guys so we have awesome content and that's going to continue to make our little world of three sides unique. And you've been getting so much love for the photos you've been sharing from Minneapolis oh. and Buffalo and uh, just starting to share the photos from Iowa from a few years ago. People are just floored by the quality, the color, the crispness, the sharpness, the everything. I mean, fabulous yeah, they're going, job. Bad Bozo does that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, and I can say the crisp the, the crispness and the sharpness comes from Sony. Okay, because the it's well, yeah. awesome, so can you awesome can you gear. we've got some people who have asked, a number of people have asked, what kind of equipment are you using? Okay, well, if you're just gonna get started. Uh, and you want to start taking pictures, you don't have to do what I've done. Because I've gone through a whole variety of different uh, cameras over the years to get to where I'm at right now. What I'm currently using is the Sony Alpha A7 Mark III. Uh, that's the body of the camera. And then I'm using exclusively Sony's G-Series Glass, which is really important. So the easiest way for me to say this is like if you go out and you buy yourself a really great receiver and a great CD player or um, a turntable, but then you buy crappy speakers, the sound of that record is never going to be as good as it should. This is the same thing. Don't go out and buy yourself a Sony mirrorless body and then skimp on the uh the lens and and don't purchase like a g-series glass it will make all the difference but you can still get some incredible pictures with a lot of different brands be it uh nikon or uh, canon there's a lot of them out there so start within your budget and take some classes online and learn what you're doing and understand how to make the different settings work for you. That's the key to the whole thing. And, and and I would add, go volunteer wherever you can to offer to take free photos yep. for the smallest bar bands to whatever. Just you know, go into a venue and ask the 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 venue manager. Hey, I can I take some photos for you to use? You can have them. You can do whatever you want with them. You need to get that experience because one of the things I learned when I was with Kiss is. It takes time to understand concert lighting and how that will change something. Yep. yep. So especially you need, you need live experience for that. Yeah, and especially with KISS because they have white faces. And that reflects differently in a spotlight than people who don't. There's all these different things, but also kudos to their staff. The people that run the lighting and the video screens, those guys are top-notch. They're sound men. Everybody, they, they've hired the best of the best. They truly have. And so I can't take all the credit for the photos. I can tell you the experiences helped. But for the first year or so when I decided to start taking pictures, most of it was, to Michael's point, in bars. The local bands who don't have any money that could really use the help, they will love it if you come out and take some pictures of them. And, and give them some yep. photos to use. You know, uh, Gabriel and the Apocalypse is a perfect example. Now, they have some some CDs out, but they're local here in Minneapolis. I absolutely love them. They're a wonderful band. They're kind of like Madonna with a heavy metal band backing them. 
and they've got very uh, catchy songs. So check them out, Gabriel and the Apocalypse. Well, Arena is uh, another band that you've done a lot of photos for. Arena as well, yeah, wonderful band. Uh, there's so many in Hairball. I mean, Michael, you know, Mikey and I have been friends since we were teenagers, and he was really supportive in the beginning for me by saying, well, yeah, just come out with your camera and shoot as much as you want. So I can't even tell you how many Hairball shows that I've shot. So to Michael's point, get in there and just be involved. And that's a great way to start because it's going to take a while and you're going to take a lot of shitty photos. I sure did. And I still do. There's still a lot of them that just don't turn out. So like this series now that Michael is sharing from the, um, Iowa State Fair in 2016 was one of the most magical shows I've ever seen for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was raining through the whole show and it's an outdoor show. And secondly, the stage was three feet high. You know, I mean, so look at those photos. Could you believe the head to toe? Yeah, it's like you were on stage standing next to Tommy when you took his picture. Yeah, it's it's insane. So I'm so happy that you guys are happy with this. And thank you so much for being so supportive. And I'm going to keep keep sharing them. But that's the reason I do it. Um, what else? So after the show. Can we skip to that or did I miss it? Yeah, 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 we're good. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, they start to blend together. It's like this bubble. It's, shit starts to blend together. It's true. it's true. So here's the here's the most interesting thing of the time. There, this last round is we're hanging out after, and um, Mark wanted to say goodbye to Eric because that was his last show for a while, and he was heading back home. So we're standing around, and Mark and I are just kind of talking, and Kyle's over there with his wife, Tracy, and Dr. Mark is there. There's not many people, maybe five, eight of us back there. And Paul comes out of his dressing room. They're, they're about to leave. They always say goodbye and all that. We talk sometimes. Sometimes we don't say anything. And he walks past Mark and I, and he stops. He turns around, and he's like, <laughs> and we're like looking at him like, waiting for him to say, you know, and then... He just goes into this tirade of jokes, one right after the other, that were so freaking funny. I was literally crying. We were both laughing so hard. So to give you a little insight, Paul is actually really fucking funny. Oh, my God. And, and so what was weird is just the three of us were having this conversation, and then we're all laughing so hard that everybody over here is just, like, looking at us like, what are they <laughs> talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was just absolutely fantastic. So that's the magic of this. And, you know, they're wonderful people. That's, I guess, what I really wanted to drive home more than anything else, is they're just, they're absolutely wonderful people. Having yeah. a blast on the road. Yeah. Well, again, keep in mind, go back to what I said earlier. This has surrounded themselves with people like Fran and Keith and Danny and all these, all these, they're, they're, that whole team from the guys running the lights to the guys running the pyro to the, you're not going to find a better, you know, the, this is, this is the upper echelon. This is, this is the first place winner. This is, these, these guys surround themselves with nothing but the best. And I'm just talking about, and, and look, the proof's in the pudding, as I said earlier. Everything 
you don't see mutinies there. You don't see, you know, if, if you're, look, we're back there. Everyone's doing their job. Everyone's moving this thing, you know, moving the team forward. It wasn't like being backstage on the farewell tour. Totally different <laughs> from what I hear. Totally different. And that's the whole thing, man. You know, um, it's it's just it's just like like Tommy calls it the bubble. Bubble's a fun fucking place to be, man. And, yeah. uh, and we don't take it lightly that we're we're lucky and privileged and fortunate to get to experience that every now and then. And and it's it really is like Tommy said earlier. I'm I'm glad we can share this with you guys. This isn't a oh look at us. I I hope none of that comes through because that's not what it. What, we're telling you because we want to tell you what a humbling, fun place it is. And, and all the people from the soda guys to the, to the road crew people, um, they surround themselves with the best. And Yeah. And, 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 and speaking of that, I want to take just a moment to shout out to Keith LaRue. Uh, Keith, as you know, you know his role and what he does. And he is the one who handles all those super VIP experiences. And standing around watching some of these take place, he is so generous and kind and helpful with the fans that I think he adds a lot to the VIP experience. And I can't remember if it was St. Paul or if it was in Lincoln, but one of the guys that was there doing the VIP experience, you know, he was helping him put Gene's boots on and Paul's boots. And... Grinning from ear to ear, he couldn't stop smiling. He was having such a wonderful time. And that's every time I see these guys, these fans do this, it's the same reaction. It's just grinning from ear to ear and the experience. And it's not like, you know, Keith just walks you through and you're done. He takes time and answers questions and makes sure that you get the time you need to do these different things. And it's not, it's never a rush. I never see him like, come on, guys, we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. Never. I never once see that. It's this casual, slow pace throughout the whole experience. And you don't feel like you're being pushed through or rushed in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know. That's just, to me, really stood out as an incredible thing. So I think that, that he deserves some credit and, and people need to know if you're going to to do one of these super experiences, the VIP packages, that it they really go out of their way to take care of you. Look, I have a unique perspective on this, especially with, with Keith. I, I met Keith in the late 80s or early 90s. Much like we've preached, that's how I met these two idiots. We all, at some point, got our asses off our couches and went to New York or went to Chicago or went. That's how you meet people. Um, you know, I met Keith, like I said, you know, late 80s, early 90s, going to the New York Kiss Expo. And then after you start seeing the same people at shows all the time, next thing you know, like, hey, you're the guy who was standing next to me in line. Because I remember when Keith had a fanzine, he was just another fan. I, subscri and, I subscribed to his fanzine, Kiss Force. So that's what I mean. Just, And it's so cool to see somebody that, you know, you know is the, the genuine article. And there's a reason the guy's smiling all the time. He's just a good guy. And, you know, it's nice to see him put his love for the band, share that with you guys, you know, because like Tommy said, it's, it's, it's true. 
are, are those things expensive? Yeah, because if they were super cheap, Kiss would never get on stage. I mean, look, I, that's just the most honest way you can put it. Is it expensive? Yeah. But like Tommy just said, and I know because I've seen a million of these, never rushed through, you know. Uh, the way they do these now. No, don't get me wrong, Mike. You know you were right there when it started. There was trial and error the first year. Oh or two. yeah, yeah. Well, the first, the first, definite, the first three or four shows were rough because nobody had done this before. So we were completely guessing as to like what kind of obstacles will we run into. I remember specifically because the first show was in Hartford, Connecticut. It was an outdoor. Um, shed and it was at night obviously so the pictures were outside we still didn't have a dedicated tent for this you didn't have a dedicated backdrop we had a dedicated vip host who had a camera and a tripod but we didn't have professional lighting and the problem we didn't anticipate was crap it's too dark we can't get great photos because it's yep. too dark so you we learned all that stuff very quickly and and credit to all of the VIP hosts they've ever had you know they they adapted quickly oh we're going to run out to Walmart tomorrow on the day off and we're going to buy a bunch of just cheap light cans that we can find with clamps and clamp them onto a tripod stand or something like that you know improvising and moving forward but you're right there was there were issues but it was it, to, to Kiss's credit, everything was dealt, acknowledged and dealt with, corrected and improved upon. So each year it got better and better and better. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and much like I was talking about a, a, a few minutes ago, you know, th that's what we like to think that three sides of the coin offers you guys a little different than you know, I guess other stuff. And the reason I'm reiterating that is because that's the kind of stuff when we meet you guys at shows and stuff. I love hearing that. I love when people said, and was it Jeff who said, we recently had somebody that just, how do you come up with, this is what, the yeah, 300? Yeah, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how we do it because, you know, I tell you, I do know how we do it because we don't think about it. Yeah. We're like, okay, well, who are we gonna? What are we gonna talk about next? I don't know. What are like, we excited about this week? All right, let's yeah. talk about it. Right. Well, yeah, and 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 maybe an easy way to say it is is like when you see some of that backstage footage from the seventies, like um, Hot Hero Sandwich or the twenty twenty thing or something. Uh, it that's how I feel. Like you see him walk by you, and it's like still to this day, it's like. That's, that's freaking Paul Stanley. Yeah. That's Gene. Yeah. It, it, to this day, I'm still just like every time. You're but still it's, a 12-year-old kid, aren't you? Totally. Whereas like when you're just sitting at dinner, having, you know, when you're talking with Tommy or talking with Eric and, or, or something like that, um, it's one thing because you can relate to them on a one-on-one -on -one level, just like we are doing here. You know, I mean, you should listen to the conversations that Mark and Eric have. It's it's like us. It's it, they talk drums and music and all that sort of thing. And but then when they put everything on, I'm just like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know. And then for like a week afterward, like messaging each other, 
I want to go back to the bubble, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, real life sucks. You know, because Mark had to leave that day and he headed back to Detroit. And then um, Dr. Mark and I drove down to actually, yeah, when we drove down to uh, Lincoln to see the show that night. And it's like every every single time something funny or weird happens. So we're down there. We're kind of standing around backstage and, and we're waiting. Roth is going to go on in a few minutes. And here he comes walking around the corner with this big, long metal pole. And he's like flipping it around like, you know. Uh, like a Japanese, you know, uh, samurai. Yeah, thank you. And he stops and starts talking to Doctor Mark about something, and then he, whatever it was, and then he walks right to me. He's like, "Hey, Dave Roth, nice to meet you, man." It's like, <laughs> yeah, I I know who you are, man. <laughs> that, that's just, another one of those moments of like, oh my god, it's David Lee oh, you should, Roth. You should... Tommy and I in Buffalo because we thought he was going to walk in front of us because we we're we we're near his dressing room. We're like, oh, oh, David the Ross going to come out. David the Ross. <laughs> you two are like Beavis and Butthead. We really are. Beavis and Butthead. That photo you posted last or late early in the week or over the weekend yeah. of the three of us. That's us. That's exactly it. So it's not lost on me and it's not lost on Mark. I want you guys to know that we appreciate your support, Michael as well. And Lisa, we all appreciate your support, but we want you to know that we want to share this stuff with you because we're just like, we so can't, we fun. can't believe it. <laughs> we can't believe it. I mean, you know, every time anything happens, I'm like, Man, I remember when I stood in line four hours for a 10-second handshake at Great American Music. My God, it's the same band. Oh. Yeah. Yes, and that's exactly how it feels. You know, just like, uh, you know, yeah. So that's kind of, that's our, that's our bubble report. That, that was, was the... uh, Tommy and Mark's big adventure. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I can't do, like, like, tell you what. Once all this crap's done, all this virus crap, guess what? We're doing it again. Back We're on the road. Planning out the itinerary. Hold on. And, and I'm going to segue this. On one of my favorite of all times and our future guests, and again and again and again and again, you can bet your ass on that, baby. Uh, that's a little preview to next yes, week. for next week. So, uh, so um, don't give up hope, people. All right? Everything is going to be okay. It's going to get back to normal. We're going to be back out there seeing all kinds of live bands and enjoying these shows. If, if, if you're depressed, you know what I do? Put on some music. If you Kiss can't crank it, put headphones on and crank it to yourself. Uh, even 30 minutes of just listening to some kick-ass music that you love puts a smile on your face. It does. It really does. And, you know... To those, because I get a, also I get a lot of messages from people going, "I'm on the fence. Should I do this meet and greet? Should I do this?" Yes, you will never regret it, but you will regret it if you don't do it after everything is over. Uh, you're going to walk away going, "That was the coolest thing I've ever done." And I'm telling you, if you have any any part of you feels the way that we're trying to share with you how we feel, you're going to be blown away at the awesomeness of it it's just it's yeah so as a, as, as ace frehley would, the, as ace frehley would playing, say yes are we playing the, the 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 meet and greet thing now uh yeah, yeah. so well here so here so there's no wrap up no then, no right yeah so i'll i'll cut out this little bit right here 
let's just end this. Give me 30 seconds to do some housekeeping plugs, and then we'll just do Tommy Thayer, and that'll go right to the end of the show. Okay. Work? Yeah. So um, before we hit play on Tommy and Evening with Tommy Thayer, which is an incredible video, so well done, so well produced, the host, such a sexy man. Oh, look at me. <laughs> um, I want to just make a couple quick mentions. If you are watching us on YouTube, please hit that little red subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, follow us on Spotify. And if you're on iTunes, hit, not hit, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. We would love it so, so much. As for homework this week, let's, let's take the pressure off. No homework. You can say whatever you want. Talk about whatever you want. Comment whatever you want. No pressure. We're all, we've got enough pressure in our lives right now. So yeah. we're, we're, we're telling you no homework for school this week, okay? Let's talk to us. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. saying all that, I think let's just let it roll and it'll go right to the end of the show. An evening oh. with Tommy Thayer. Want to get your official three sides of the coin logo and shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. with Tommy about everything from being in KISS to being a musician and everything in between. So I'm going to start and I'll do my best to read these. I'm going <laughs> to, the first one, I'll just get this one out of the way. Uh, this is from Johnny Clifford, my childhood best friend. He's here, uh, you'll read him later. Uh, it says, Tommy Summer's first car was a Honda Civic. 
and could seat nine uncomfortably. What was your first car? Ah, you know, my first car was uh, given to me by a great aunt, and it was a 1963 Dodge 330 sedan. And I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but uh, it was not a, a beautiful car at all, but it was. I was just happy at 16 years old to have a, a car that I could drive around. Uh, but it, like no I said, car, it was no car. 1963, and this had a, a three on the tree. Does anybody know? Yes. <laughs> so you know how bad that is. Three on the tree, and uh, it was kind of a, an off, ugly brown color, but that was my first car, a Dodge, 1963 Dodge 330 sedan. Excellent. Had a big trunk, though, to put guitars and things in it. Yeah, because I was just thinking, how much gear can you get in something like that? Uh, Charlie Corrin would like to know, what song from your former band would you would work nicely on a Kiss album? Uh, ooh, he's talking about Black and Blue, Black which and Blue. my band back in the 80s. We had four albums out. You know, it might have to be something that Gene actually produced, because Gene Simmons produced uh, the third and fourth Black and Blue albums, and maybe a song like Nasty Nasty. And a funny story about that, I don't know if anybody knows the song Nasty Nasty, but Gene actually helped write the song with us too. We had a riff and we put it together and then we needed a middle part so he had this uh, a riff that he said this would work good for the middle of the song so we put it in and later on I had run into Paul Stanley. I didn't know him that well but uh, we were at the studio Kiss was doing some recording and and he said something hey I heard that new song you guys have and he goes that middle part really sounds familiar. Over you! <laughs> You know, Nasty Nasty goes bom, 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 bom. And then the middle part is this thing that goes bom, do, 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 So it's all, yeah, it's, you're right, it's it's off the elder. And Gene just borrowed something from his record and then gave it to us, and we didn't, you know, unknowingly to us. Yeah, I didn't see your writing credit there. But the kind of, there's more to this story though, so the song Nasty Nasty, Gene ended up, I think he kind of ripped it off actually, the riff to Nasty Nasty, because it goes bum, 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 and that became Domino, so, hey, we steal a little bit, he steals a little bit, uh, we love it, so it's, uh, we borrow it, I should say. I want to stick with Black and Blue, because they were, you guys were an incredible band, you've got a lot of fans of that band, and we've gotten a lot of questions, so I'm going to ask just a couple general, and forgive me if I don't mention your name, but we had repetition on this. What was your favorite Black and Blue album, and what was the favorite song, your favorite song that you did? You know, I think either the first album or the second album. Uh, the problem with Black and Blue, and, and looking back in retrospect, because I think we could have done better than we did. We did all right, but I don't think we stuck to what we were in the beginning. When we started out in Portland, you know, we were kind of a, a hard rock, heavy metal band, you know, kind of a down and dirty band with, with that kind of approach. And then we kind of got, over time, pulled in different directions, which is not unusual when you're on a major label, and then you have bands like Bon Jovi breaking huge, you know, the label's going to want to get you on the radio and do those sort of things, so they try to talk you into being more commercial. So the, I think our first album was more true to what we were, and there's songs on there like Hold On to 18, and uh, School of Hard Knocks, and The Strong Rock, 
it's really what we're about. And when we did the second album, we were starting to get pushed in different directions, and we should have stuck more to our guns, but the second album was really great. We did it in Vancouver with Bruce Fairburn and Bob Rock. And it's a fabulous record called Without Love. And, but I don't know if stylistically if it's getting more pop and, and got away from what we really were in the, in the beginning, and I think that's confusing to fans, so, uh, you know, it's hard to say. But the labels did that to a lot of bands. It seemed like if a band hit big, whether it be Bon Jovi or Guns N' Roses, whoever, then they want you to make a record that sounds like whatever is selling a million copies. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, in all fairness, the labels, they have a lot of money on the line and they're investing in a band and they, they want to make it successful. They want hits, they want songs on the radio, so you do get pushed in different directions. Um, interesting story about after we did our second album, Without Love, Bon Jovi heard the record, he thought it sounded so good that he decided he was going to go to Vancouver and hire Bruce Fairburn and Bob Rock to do his next record. And his next record was Slippery When Wet, so... Wow. It's interesting okay. what yeah. happens. And he's talked about that in interviews before too. So I just, I thought it was I just thought it was cool that he mentioned that and, and he talked about black and blue and how that record made you know influenced his decision to go up to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia and record Slippery One Wet. Well yeah, that's huge, especially when you have a contemporary that calls you out and says, Yeah, I like the way this sounds. Now, for those of you, I'm assuming most of you that are here are KISS fans know that Tommy grew up also as a KISS fan. So, at one point, did you have, did Peter Chris come in to do backing vocals? Because Mr. Zero wants to know about that. And can you tell us what that was like, or meeting him for the first time, was that like, oh my gosh, this is really, you know. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, because going back, even before I played guitar, I was a KISS fan. And it was really KISS that kind of inspired me, among, along with some other groups, to take up guitar, because I, I wanted to be in a band, and I just loved the bands and the music. But... Fast forward, when we were working on our third album in black and blue called Nasty Nasty, which is one of the ones that Gene produced, somehow we brought up the idea of, wouldn't it be cool if Peter Chris would come and maybe sing on a song or do something on our album? And we said, Gene, could you call Peter and, and see if, if he'd be into doing that? And so Gene was, I don't think Gene had talked to him in a while. And so Gene called Peter and Peter, came to the studio and when he came in it was like wow you know Peter Chris I, I can't believe he's here and he's actually going to record with us and and Gene and for Gene and Peter this was in 1986 and it was kind of a reunion of sorts for them because they hadn't yeah. seen each other for years at least for a few years and so you know they were all hugs and you know god it's great to see you and, and just kind of a I think they were happy to to be together and see each other at that point too so there was a song we had called best in the west and Peter uh, did some background vocals and he did some uh, vocal ad-libs on it that were really cool and uh, we always loved Peter's voice at least I did growing up I thought you know when he sang Black Diamond and some of those other tunes it was you know he sounded great and uh, you know nothing to lose uh, so I was always we were all Jamie our singer from Black and Blue and myself we always loved Peter Chris and in the way his voice sounded so we thought it was cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got someone that you admired growing up and now they're singing on your record. You've got one, a guy that's producing your record. That You must have been just like, wow, this is really actually happening. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, actually, because we're just these guys, we're these young guys from Portland, Oregon, and to have Gene Simmons suddenly coming to your rehearsal each day to work pre-production for the album. And at the time, they were on tour um, in 86, and I'm not sure if it was Asylum or which record, but on days off, he would literally fly, uh, fly back to L.A. 
just for the day, just to rehearse, come to our rehearsal. And he was really diligent, and I was uh, really impressed with how, uh, you know, how much effort he put into it. And uh, he did a great job, and uh, he, he definitely worked hard at it. Yeah, and, and that gives you confidence too, I would think, going in when you have someone that's producing that believes in what you're doing. Absolutely, yeah. So he was, uh, he came on board, he really championed our cause and, and really helped us out a lot. And, and the relationship then obviously grew a lot then too because when we, I met Gene and Paul and Eric Carr and, and Bruce Kulik in 1985 when Black and Blue was the opening act on the Kiss Asylum tour. We did about 25 dates in the fall of 85, uh, Midwest, East Coast, down in the South, up in Texas. And uh, we were just blown away that we were actually on tour with Kiss, who were really our heroes growing up. Yeah. And uh, that was just mind-boggling. We'd get there in the afternoon, we thought, well, maybe we could get to talk to them during the day, or maybe they'd pass us in the hallway and we could you know, chat them up a little bit. And, you know, Gene was the one that was more talkative all the time, as you know, and Paul's a little more standoffish, at least to begin with, so we got to know Gene more to begin with, and then that's why we ended up asking Gene to produce our third our third record then, after we, after the course of that tour. That, yeah, I mean, those are amazing stories to be a part of all of that, you know, and what, which led to all the rest of this. It, it did, you know, because things just progressed, so after Gene worked with us, then he asked me to come write with with him for the Hot in the Shade record, which they were working on, and I ended up being lucky enough to have two songs that I co-wrote on the Hot in the Shade record. Uh, Street Giveth, Street Taketh Away, and a song called Betrayed. I'm sure you guys know those. Yes. And, uh, they can clap, it's okay. The great little story about this, so back then I was pretty poor, you know, I just, I was just a struggling musician, I was staying on people's couches, and, and uh, I got those songs on that Kiss album, and I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be good because Kiss, you know, they sell a million records, so this could be good for, for yeah. some songwriting royalties. So one day uh, I came home and I opened my mailbox, and there was a check from uh, Polygram Publishing Company who published the songs, and I, I opened the check. It was $25,000 check. Wow, nice. And I was like, well, okay. This could be all right. We're, now we're starting to get, go the right direction here, so that was really uh, a big event for me when I got that twenty-five. I, I'd never had a thousand dollars in my life, and to have this check and I put it, you know, put it in the bank, and it was just, you know, that was a turning point. I thought, man, maybe I can make it in this business and be a musician. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff I love to hear about is how when you start to have that success that feeling you get and you start to say, look, I think I'm gonna do this. Do you have any advice you can give people here tonight, not necessarily musicians or being a rock star or anything like that, but just in life about following what you really believe in? It's, it's really true. It doesn't matter if, if you're a musician or whatever you're doing in life because it's more about the effort. I know you hear that a lot, but really it's the perseverance and the stick-to-itiveness and just not really giving up, just keep doing what you're doing. And I don't think it has to necessarily be towards one goal either. It could just be whatever you're doing in life. You just keep doing it and do it as well as you can. And, but don't give up, don't change, don't doubt yourself. And you just keep going because one thing leads to another. Because I don't think it's, uh, I don't think life is linear. I don't think you decide what you're gonna do and then you just go straight towards it. I think it's, you go this way, you go this way, one thing leads to another and you take a turn. And, you know, because I've, I've gone through all kinds of things in my life to get where I am now. And I, I never honestly would have thought 
I didn't think I was going to be where I am now. Um, I always worked hard and I just, you know, took an opportunity and I just stuck with it and didn't give up on things, even when I wanted to give up sometimes. Yeah. Um, because back before I was actually the guitar player in KISS, I was road managing and working behind the scenes and there were some points there, honestly, where I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit this. I can't, I can't handle it because I was, we were in the car ride coming over and I was telling Tommy, being a tour manager or a road manager is one of the most difficult things that anybody could do. It's, it's a tough job, it's 24-7. It's a no-win situation in most situations because everybody, you can't keep everybody happy all the time and everybody turns to you and blames you for everything. So there's a couple situations where I was just like, I'm, I'm, I can't handle this anymore and I'm, I'm not gonna do it. So, But now in retrospect, I'm really happy that I did stick with it and, and I didn't go home. Well, yeah, and I'm assuming you also learned a lot from that experience, which also helped you get to where you are now. Well, definitely. I mean, it's just, it was a good conditioning, that's for sure. Yeah. You know? um, this next question, I'm assuming, is a KISS question. This is from um, Danny Halverson. What one song um, do you wish you could play or play more often? Is there a KISS song that you wish you guys were doing? Well, there's a couple. There's one that I keep pushing to do, and for some reason, it just never happens. I, I really love the song "All Hell's Breaking Loose," yeah. Yeah. You know? and every time I bring it up when we're rehearsing, like to Gene and Paul, they just like, oh, I don't know. For some reason, they just are not into doing it. I, I, I'm not sure why, but uh, I keep trying. And Eric and I, we work on these guys, and uh, especially when we're getting ready for the Kiss Cruise. Yeah, you know, you know, going for those deep tracks and trying to persuade these guys to do. You know stuff that people don't usually hear, especially for the Kiss Cruise, because people on the cruise expect to hear the more obscure, deeper tracks. And well, and there was a video for that song. It got pretty good play on MTV, so it's not completely unfamiliar. Yeah, I don't really get it. For some reason, they're just not into that song. For some well, and, I, and, I, and I've noticed on tour, seeing a bunch of shows, that people are really responding well to the 80s material. Yeah, it, it, definitely. There's a lot of great 80s stuff. Sometimes, it's harder for Paul now because singing the high, the 80s stuff is so high, it's just almost impossible. So that that is a, a can be a, a, a big part of a, a, a yeah, stumbling block with that. But uh, anyway, it's when we've been rehearsing for these cruises, and Eric and I will say, "Let's do the oath," you know, "Let's do Kiss in Time," you know, and the, and Gene and Paul they'll turn to us and they'll go, "Really?" And we go, "Yeah, no, people would really love it." They go, "Are you sure?" Yeah, I guarantee you. So. Then of course we go to the cruise and we play the oath and, and people are just going insane. And then we look at those guys and say, see, I told you. <laughs> well, I, I'm not gonna, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I wanna say, I've gotten to know Tommy pretty well over the last several years. He is truly one of the kindest, most humble, nicest people I've ever met. And he is so responsible for how much cool stuff is going on with the man. Because you are. You're, you were involved in everything from the KISS releases of the KISS Vision, all that stuff, you know. The, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, there might be something that I'm not going to take all the credit. I appreciate that. The next question is from Krista, and I'm assuming she wants to know why did you choose to play guitar? I'm assuming versus drums or a different instrument. Well, you know, I started out when I was 11, 10 or 11 years old. You know, you're in grade school, and, and in fifth grade, they said, do you want to be in the band or the orchestra? Or do you want to sing in the choir? And I thought, I'll be in the band. And for some reason, I chose saxophone. I don't know why, but uh, so I started playing saxophone. I was probably about 10. And then I 
we had a guitar at, at the house, at my parents, at our house, and it was a, a really crappy, uh, cheap acoustic guitar called a Stella. Stella. Really cheap, and it only had five strings on it. But I was picking that thing up, and I, because this is when I was starting to discover bands like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and Kiss, and in early to mid 70s, probably 72, 73. And I just really wanted to play guitar, so. I actually had a little recorder, uh, cassette recorder, and had a microphone, and if you put a tape in it, you hit record, and put the mic in to the sound hole of the acoustic guitar, it actually kind of uh, amplifies it, and I thought that was really cool, so I did that for a while. But, and, uh, but I was playing saxophone, but I didn't really love the saxophone, honestly, as much as I loved the guitar and, and rock and roll music and all that, so my mom finally said, I'll help you buy an electric guitar, but you have to make a deal with me that you'll continue to play the saxophone until you graduate from high school. So I said, of course I'll do that. So, so I played sax all through until 12th grade, but she helped me buy my first electric guitar. So, you know, it was just, I just loved the guitar players and, and the way it looked uh, and, and the bands and the music at the time. And it was just something I really wanted to do. That's cool, yeah. you know. And this one will be, you'll like this one. Wayne Z wants to know, what is it like to work with and tour with Eric Singer? <laughs> <laughs> Some of my friends are here like Keith LaRue, and he knows Eric really well, and you know, Mark and Jeannie. But uh, Eric is an interesting guy, you know, he's really hyper. Uh, and he, I think he has ADD, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, a little, maybe a little. He cannot focus on one subject for more than what, 15, 20 seconds, and then it's on. It's, it's funny, we'll be sitting in, in backstage band, we're eating dinner or something, and you know, we'll start a conversation, Gene or Paul, or we're talking about something interesting, something current events or something, and Eric will jump in for about 10 seconds, and then suddenly he'll be talking about something else, or he'll ask somebody else another question, and, and then he'll jump that and go to another question, and you, you, there's three subjects all of a sudden going on, and, and, you, and, and Paul and Gene and I are looking at each other like, what? What is, what's going on with this guy, you know? And, uh, so he's, but he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever know. He's got really the biggest heart of anybody I think I've ever met. He's really giving and he really cares and he's real sensitive and he, he loves his friends. And, uh, but Eric's, I think he's hard to get to know a little bit too. I think when you first meet him, he's a little standoffish. And I've heard some people think or say that he's, you know, I don't know, he doesn't seem very friendly in, in the first place. But once you get to know him, he's, he's gonna be your best friend forever. But. Um, He's he's a he's a he's one of a kind. There's no doubt about it. Yes, he is. Um, this next question is from Roger, and we touched on it a little bit, but I want to expand. Uh, who were your influences uh, growing up, and did you ever dream growing up to join Kiss? You know, like I said, I loved Black Sabbath. I loved Richie Blackmore and, and Deep Purple. I was a big Montrose fan. Ronnie Montrose is probably one of my biggest influences on on guitar. Um, Davy Johnstone from Elton John's band, Pat Travers, Robin Trower, uh, Johnny Winter, you know, all the great guitar players in the 70s, Jimmy Page, you know, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, I think they influenced me, but they were a little before my time. Uh, yeah. Cream was more late 60s, and I, I was not really quite getting into things quite then. So I'm kind of more in the second generation of, you know, the Ace Freelys, the, a Joe Perry or a Richie Blackmore, the guys that yeah. kind of came next. You know? Well, and we talked about Davy Johnstone because we both love Goodbye Yellow Road and the Elton John stuff. 
another, he's another one of those kind of behind the scenes guys that is just incredible. Yeah, that you don't hear the name as, as much. But, uh, you know, these days I think Joe Bonamassa is incredible. I think Steve Lugather is an amazing guitar player. And there's so many good guitar players out there. It's, it's, uh, it's mind boggling. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, the next one is from, oh gosh, uh, I want to say it's uh, Carla, maybe. I'm sorry, I, I, I can't read the writing. Uh, what's your daily routine on a concert day? What, how do you do your day? Well, fortunately, with KISS, as big of a tour as we're on, we have our own airplane, which is uh, a good thing. And uh, so it gives us the, op the ability, really, to sleep in, and then we don't have to leave the hotel until probably one or two o'clock. And I'm talking about in the city we just played in. So we played in, like last night, last night's not a good example because we left right after the show, but if we played like in Minneapolis or St. Paul tomorrow night, we're gonna stay. And then the next day, we don't have to get up really and leave the hotel till about one or two o'clock. So we'll then fly to the next city, which might take 45 minutes to an hour, and then we'll end up getting over to the venue by four o'clock. Right. And then when we get to the venue, uh, there's just maybe things like uh, doing a sound check, even though we don't really sound check too much. Any Once we get going on the tour, we'll do it to begin with. You know, we're signing merchandise, kind of getting something to eat. We have some catering and we'll get a light dinner, that kind of thing. But then we start um, the makeup process, which we give at least two hours to do, because we do our own makeup. I think everybody probably knows that, but we don't have makeup people that do it for us. Everybody in Kiss's eyes done their own makeup. So we'll start that about 5, 36 o'clock, because we have to be ready at eight o'clock. Uh, so, and the makeup process is a, uh, something we do every night. I can't imagine not doing it. It's really the, the transition and getting ready for a Kiss show, putting the makeup on. Well, yeah. well what was it like if you can remember, the first time you put it on and you're about to play your first show, looking in the mirror, what was that like? Well, you know, it's different for me, though, because I was in a tribute band. Understood, and this is the band. <laughs> yeah. So, but I had, I guess I, I, I refer to that, though, because I did the tribute band for a while called Cold Gin, we just did it for fun, but we put makeup on, so I, I knew how to do it. And, and I knew how to get up and play guitar and play Kiss in makeup. Yeah, even though so, it was kind of a funny little thing. But uh, so when I finally got to the first show, which was, I was just filling in actually, it was a private concert down to Jamaica in February 2002. And, uh, but that was a mind boggling experience, of course. I'm going on stage as part of KISS. And yeah. It's like, how did this happen? You know, right, really? yeah, it, it's like, you know, cool things just keep happening. Yeah, it, it is weird. I mean. You had asked a question a minute ago, did I ever aspire to being Kiss when I was starting to play guitar? And I really never did. I, I was just doing because I love what I love doing it. I love being in a band and just having my own bands. I never thought about being a Kiss somebody. I really, I never did. Yeah, you just wanted to be a, a professional musician and make that your living. Yeah, and not even really wanting to be a professional musician. In, in the beginning, it was more about just wanting to play guitar in a band and get up on stage like this and just play for people and have that experience. Do you, do you still have some of that? I mean, because I'm, I'm assuming the crowd gives you the energy and that 
but do you still marvel at it even though you're used to it? Oh, no doubt about it. I Every night, I, I never take it for granted. I get up there, I love what I'm doing, and it's just, I can't, still can't believe I'm up on stage doing this. It's just uh, a very cool thing, so. It, yeah, I, I can't even imagine, because you're living the dream of so many people in this room. I know, it's, it's weird. You know? Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, you can clap, it's good. Barbie would like to know, and you may not be able to answer this, what's next for you after the final tour? You know, I get asked that question a lot in interviews these days, uh, and I don't really know. We've got uh, about another year and a half to go on this tour. As I'm sure everybody, most people here know, we're on the end of the road world tour right now. We've been on, this tour started about a year ago, and we've got about a year and a half to go because the last show is going to be July 17th, 2021 in New York City. So, but I don't really know exactly what my plans are uh, at the end of this. Uh, KISS is not going to go away though either. The band's not going to tour, but KISS music, the, the identities and the characters and the brand, merchandise, that'll all continue on. And I think KISS will continue on in some way. Well, and I, I, I can't imagine it not. And when I heard that there's going to be another video or DVD release, for another Kissology, is that true? Well, I we have a Kissology that's halfway done already, and, and it's going to be Kissology Four. But I do know that uh, 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 an authorized documentary is being done right now. We've been interviewed. Yep. Uh, there's a guy that's doing it, um, John Dorsey, and we're working on that. And I know that there's a talk of a feature film in the works too. I know Doc's been working on that too. So which would be great. And yeah. now look at the. All of the ones with the Elton John and Queen, there should be a Kiss, Kiss film too. But you guys have such a long history that it would almost have to be an eight-hour thing. A miniseries. A miniseries on Netflix. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to revisit it a little bit. Rob Collier wants to know, of all the different roles that you've had with Kiss, what has been your favorite role and what has been the most challenging role for you? I know it seems weird, but that doing the road management, that whole part, that was the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. I, yeah, I know people want to hear it's it's more about something to do with being in the band and that yeah. sort of thing. But uh, but actually, when I got into the band in the in the first place, when I first officially was in the band, the first show we did was the the Kiss Symphony show over in Melbourne. Yes, two thousand three. I'd have looking back now, I have to admit it was a pretty pressure situation to be in you know because you've got ace who left the band those are big shoes to fill obviously and, and a lot of expectations and it's it's almost a no-win situation in a way because you know, you're going to be how are you going to do this and how are you going to go about it besides just doing it you know and so it was it was difficult at the beginning to, to, to jump into that role and, and do that even though i was really happy about it it was there was a lot of pressure, and, and uh, it wasn't easy to begin with. And there's a lot of took a lot of flack too. You know? Oh yeah, well, you, but you've really made it your own. It's its own it. character. It yeah. really, truly is. Well, as the spaceman, and I think as time goes on, by the time we did Monster, I feel like the guitar playing on Monster is more. You know, it's Kiss, but it's me more too. I think that Sonic Boom is really good, but I think some of the stuff on there is a little derivative sounding, even though it's a great record. And we really just wanted to make a classic Kiss record. Sonic Boom, but Monster, I think, is a little more 
a little more us or a little bit more me, uh, but being Kiss at the same time. And then, you know, and present day tours, you know, like the new outfit, it's a, it's a new design. It's something that I was involved in putting together as well. And just the whole approach, not even the guitar solo we're doing now. I mean, it, of course I'm doing the Rockets, which is, uh, you know, an ace thing to begin with, but at the end we're doing this rapid fire yeah. thing. And it's, it's, so there's some new things that are going on that are exciting and, and a little bit different, which, you know, I can call a little bit more of my own a little bit. Well, and I like Sonic Boom and Monster. I love those records. And to one point, Lightning Strikes, I love that song. I would love to hear you play that live, and I know that you don't always have the decision on all of that. Well, but I understand it, though, too, because I love the song, too, but most people don't know when Lightning Strikes. They don't know Out of This World as much. And when we go out there and do a show in a big place on this tour, we have to do the songs that people know more yeah. to get their reaction and keep the excitement up. And uh, if we did those songs, most people wouldn't know them, I don't think so. Could be, but you know, as there's so many hardcore fans there too. But I get it, you, and you're, you're playing to a large amount of people, and not everybody's a hardcore fan. Some of them are coming just for the experience and seeing you for the first time, all of that. Yeah. So that plays into it as well. Have you talked at all about doing another Kiss record, or is that just off the table? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were actually talking about not a Kiss record the other. I was talking to Paul. And we were talking about other. You know, I think Bon Jovi has a new record. You know, people are doing records, and and the discussion is, you know, is it really worth doing it? I know that the fans would love it, and and we enjoy making it, but it does take a lot of time. Yeah. And the net result, though, is that nothing happens. You know, because people aren't really buying records or buying music anymore for the most part. So it's, you know, that's kind of frustrating, and it comes off looking like it's a. You know, it's a, a disappointment or it's not a, a success then because nobody's buying them, the records, so. Right. Yeah, it's the world we live in now. Yeah. Everything's changed. We'll buy it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's one. <laughs> but, you know, that's why, uh, but on his last few tours, you know, I was doing Shock Me. The reason I was doing it, because it's a known, that's a song that's been around. It's on Love Gun. People know that song. Yeah. So that's why we were doing it. But and not the other songs that uh, off Sonic Boom and Monster. So it's just, uh, you have to play the stuff that gets the reaction and keeps the excitement level up. Yeah, you want every single song to be that high energy through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It, unless you're on the Kiss Cruise, it's a different situation. Yeah, that's, you know, well, yeah, that's a whole other animal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bradley, I think it's Reitler, would like to know, when you're on tour, how many costumes do you have? How many copies of your costume do you have on tour with you? Yeah. We have three, basically. I have three outfits. They switch them out uh, each day. The uh, the vest that I wear, that kind of mirrored thing. Yeah. There's three of those. So you switch them out because we get so sweaty on stage. It's a literally, it's a it's a question of getting them dried out and ready for another time. So, so we rotate them to keep things kind of fresh too. Because if you wear one one outfit, it just kind of gets beat down after a while. Um, I have two or three pairs of the boots, but I stick with one pair because they're most comfortable. Oh, um, <laughs> well, nice. <laughs> but it makes sense, you know, because you know, I love it. it the, when, and the, the, the ladies know that when you're on heels all the time, <laughs> your feet get friggin' sore, you know? And so you want to go with the most com comfortable pair. That makes sense, and, I, and you can't just take it to a dry cleaner. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I heard in the early days that costumes would stand up on their own. 
Yeah, back in the old days, I heard the stories that, uh, you know, they were leather and uh, they just had one outfit. So they literally, the next night, they'd be cold and stale and stinky. And uh, But jeans is always stinky. <laughs> I liken it to a, a dumpster smell. Great. <laughs> you know, so when I get up there and we do cold gin and then the part where Gene comes over and, you know, starts trying to lick my face and all that stuff. It's just hideous. <laughs> You don't want Gene Simmons drooling on you. It's all part of the show. So we're going to try something new here that we haven't done before. Um, we have a special guest who is going to ask a question, but I have to play it on, on the phone. So everyone just... Okay. Tommy, it's Bruce Kulik here. My question is... We're all aware of your talent as a musician and performer in KISS, but you've also had the unique opportunity to be creatively involved in the making of KISStory and the KISS box set, etc. Can you share some of the challenges of working on those projects with Gene and Paul? That's my question. Wow, that's cool. Bruce. I love Bruce. I'm, just, I'm sure a lot of you guys have met Bruce, but he's just... Such an incredible guy. I just love him. Bruce, and he was, just before I get to the answer real quick, when we toured uh, on that Asylum tour, when Black and Blue opened for Kiss, Bruce was really one of the first people to really just, you know, be friendly and, and, and you know, talk to me, and I just, I couldn't believe I was talking to Bruce Cuban, you know? Yeah. And I actually had this guitar that I wanted to sell, and he, it was a guitar that he wanted to buy. It was a Charvel, which I don't usually play. It was like a Strat, you know, with the whammy bar and all that. And I had this guitar, and he ended up buying it, and I just, I couldn't believe I, I, I'm selling a guitar to Bruce Kulik, you know, and I'm hanging out. It was cool. So anyway, Bruce uh, asked about history and getting involved doing these projects, like the Kiss box set. And actually, the history book was the first project that I was hired to, for with KISS to do. Um, after Black and Blue ran its course, of course I knew Gene and Paul because Gene had worked with the band and I had written with those guys a bit. So they asked me to come work for them at one point. I think it was about 92 or 93. They said, we have a, a project we're working on called Kistry. It's going to be a nine pound coffee table book and we need you to help us choose photos for the book. And I thought, well, that doesn't suck. I like this. I get to go get paid to look at KISS photos and, yeah, and work with KISS. It's like, okay, this is great. So I really worked hard at it and I was working long hours and very diligent, get there early, leave late, and you know, I was uh, working very hard, but it was cool because they had all these boxes of photos that were in storage in New Jersey uh, for many years. It was all the stuff from the 70s, mostly like color slides, and they were in slide sheets and, and binders and thrown in these cardboard boxes and they weren't stored very well, you know, and in some cases some of the photos might have got damaged because it wasn't temperature controlled. Or right. So they had shipped all these old boxes down and they were all, these boxes were at Paul's house and there was probably 50 boxes and each box was full of binders with slides. So I, my job was to go through each box, pull out the binder, take the slides out and we were going to put them in slide carousels. You know, so we could view them easier and store them in carousels. So that was my job to pull the slides out, and sometimes if they were damaged or you know the the uh, you know the slide of the, uh, the, the, the cardboard, cardboard thing that might have fallen apart, I had to fix those. And so, but along the way, as I was going through the slides, my job was to. 
pick photos that were really cool to go in history. And they needed a lot of them because it was a big book. So yeah. it was a great job. And, and uh, I remember going through these binders and, wow, this is Finn Costello from when they went to, you know, the, the Hollywood, you know, walk, they were at the Chinese theater in, in Hollywood in 1976. And here's the original photos. And I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I got to go through all that. And it was, uh, that was a cool experience. And I, I, and I was getting paid to do it. And I couldn't That's believe it. That's even better. Yeah, yeah, so it was a great job. And, and then what we did was, the history book was done just by the band themselves, so Gene and Paul literally just bought a computer. They hired this designer, her name was Susan McGowan, she was from Indianapolis, and they moved around and, and, into Gene's guest house and set up this computer. And remember 1992, 93, computers were pretty rudimentary back then, yeah. so you had this big tower, and we didn't have much storage, you know, not even a gig, you know, I don't know what it was back then, but, you know, it was all floppy disks and stuff, and it was, I had a scanner and I was scanning the photos to, for the book, but the, the scans were so bad, they were so low res that we did the design with the low res scans and you didn't get the high res scans done until you sent all the photos, the original photos to the printer, and then they, would, they had real scanners back then, but we didn't have the ability to even scan, but I chose the stuff and then I scanned them, we real low res, and it was, so it was just a real little homemade little organization there, and, and it was just Gene, Paul wasn't really that over that much it was Gene and Susan and I and we just worked on it and put this thing together. That's incredible. Yeah, you know, and growing up as a KISS fan, that must have been so exciting for you too. Like you said, to see all of these iconic images and they're all just in a box and you're like thinking what you know It's almost like, yeah, this shouldn't be in this box. These photos should be like, you know, stored and presented, you know, properly. And yeah. it was it was just all this in this lousy box and they're dusty and it was, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Well, do you think, though, also, in, in all fairness, that even when they started out and ended up creating what they created, that they had no concept or thought behind, like, who knows if anyone would even care about this in 10 years or whatever? Well, it's so true. I think they started out, even with the makeup, it was so crude to begin with, and it evolved over time. I don't think they really even knew what they were onto, and now it's obviously, you know, it's just iconic image, you know, imagery and characters, and they were just kind of fiddling around trying to be kind of glammy and, and, and wear makeup and do something different. And, uh, I don't think they really had an idea. And I think that Bill Coyne, I think, had a lot to do with getting these guys off the ground to begin with. As you guys know, he was the original manager. And I think he was the one that had that kind of show business. You know, he had TV background. And I think that he really brought the, the, the ability to market and, and present this thing the right way. And I think that he had a lot to do with that. Uh, yeah. Not to discredit Gina Paul and, and Ace and Peter, but I think they were just musicians and they were fiddling around, but I think Bill Coyne really gave it a, a direction. Well, yeah, it's like you need someone with a vision and they were probably wrapped up in the middle of it. Yeah. And so, to your point, I think as time goes by, I don't think back then they were thinking, oh, we need to preserve these photos or, you know, back then they were just happy to have somebody taking their photo. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. going to be in a magazine. It's going to be in Cream or Circus Magazine. And that's all they cared about. Yeah, and which makes who sense. owns the photo? Oh, I don't know. It's like we go back now, and all these we have issues with, you know, who owns the rights to the photos and these things because it was never really established back then. They were just happy to get a photo taken, you know. Yeah, and, and then now I suppose when you want to use it, you got to make sure that you have all the clearances so you don't have a problem. Yeah, because people will start suing and doing them, and they have, you know. So and that's why, like, let it be to this day still is not on video. Is that right? There's just too many people with fingers in the pie, and no one wants to give up a percentage. I know that's what I heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is the strangest 
thing you ever received from a fan. <laughs> I don't know if I can tell you. Come on, Tommy, you're you want the dirt? Yeah. yeah, within reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe some photos. Uh, <laughs> Use your imagination. It all happens, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> what does your family think about you being in KISS? You know, it's, I've been very uh, fortunate. My mom and dad aren't alive anymore, but my dad was uh, a conservative guy, and he was uh, an army brigadier general, and, yeah. but, and he was a Republican, you know, very conservative, but he was also very open-minded, so when I wanted to play music or do these things or try it, he was like, you know, go for it, give it a shot. He was never, I was lucky that my parents were never saying to me, you can't do that, or, or, or you know, you'll, it'll never happen. You know, discouraging kind of stuff. They were always like uh, encouraging and optimistic about. It. I think they wanted me to go to college at the time, but I wanted to pursue music when I got out of high school. So they said, "Cool, give it a shot for a while." And, and luckily, things started rolling along. But you know, it was just like any of you guys. You know, your parents—they care about you. They love you. You know, they want the best for you, and they want you to maybe think about college and things like that. But. Luckily, they didn't poo-poo it. They just let me take a shot at it. So they were cool that way. Yeah. So were, were some of your siblings, like, if they tell their friends, yeah, my brother's in Kiss, they're like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's funny, yeah, because family or my cousins, people didn't, you know, there's actually some fairs here. I don't know if we're related, but uh, that's, that's not a, that common of a name. But yeah, but it's funny sometimes because I think, yeah, for my family, my brothers and yeah, my brothers in Kiss, and they're like, oh, yeah, right. I mean, I even walk into places and they go, yeah, I'm in Kiss, and they go, yeah, right. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your father, because I know that he had such a big influence on your life, and some of the stuff that you wrote about him, expressing how you felt or feel about him, he had, he had passed away, what, two years, a year and a half? About ago? a year and a half. Ago. Okay. Um, we're just absolutely beautiful, and I sent you a note saying, you know, because my dad was so important to me. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in his memory? Yeah, and just a little background. My dad was 96 when he passed away a year and a half ago, so my parents were always a little older for some reason. We had five siblings in our family, four boys and one girl, and my parents didn't have their kids until they were like close to 40, and in the late 50s, early 60s, that was a little unusual because most people were starting their families when they were in their 20s. So, like when I was in school, all my friends' parents were about 10 years younger than my parents. So. But anyway, my dad was a, uh, a real successful business community leader in Portland, but he was also uh, had a heroic career in the Army. He fought in World War II over in Europe in 1945, led a platoon. He was a, a young officer leading a platoon through France and Germany and into Austria. Uh, a lot of crazy stories. Uh, they had direct combat with SS troops and you know, people were killed and all that kind of stuff. You know, so it was a pretty horrific scene. But the most horrific thing that happened was when they got into Austria in May of 45, they discovered and liberated a, a satellite, it was a Nazi death camp. And it was a satellite camp of uh, Mauthausen, which is in Austria, yep. which is a big camp. Yep. And this was called Gunskirchen. There was about 15 to 20,000 Hungarian Jewish refugees there. And they literally saved the, the lives of about 15,000 people that day. And, that's amazing. And, yeah. 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 The first time you heard your, one of your songs on the radio? Yeah, um, that was in black and blue, yeah. actually. And uh, 
first time it would have been in Portland because before we moved to LA, we were on, uh, there was a radio station up there called uh, KGON 92FM and they did a homegrown album and I think one of our songs was on that. So that was the first time, but really for real was when the Black and Blue album came out in August 1984. I heard on the radio then, uh, I was in Portland visiting and, and I went and took the album into the station and they debuted it you know, and I was on the radio. So that was a cool thing, but actually, Hearing it, it was in LA on KLOS or KMET, and there was another great AM station called K, uh, KNAC down there also. But really the cool thing is back then though, you'd be sitting at home and remember when MTV first started, and you're like, let's watch MTV, you know, and we'd watch it all day, you know? And then you'd be watching MTV, and our video of Hold On To 18 would come on MTV. That was, that was special. I mean, I remember having, being at a party and like, it would come on, it came on and we're like, look, it's us. <laughs> yeah, that's when we played videos. You know? So that was, uh, yeah, the MTV thing was a big, big thing back then. Uh, we have time for two more questions. Uh, there's a lot of people who follow you that are very interested in your stage gear or the type of effects and things you use. Can you speak a little bit to what you use and why you use it? Yes. My <clears throat> approach has always been very traditional and really uh, simple. Uh, a lot of guitar players have all these pedals and things and, you know, outboard gear, whatever you call it. But I just, I've always, my philosophy has been keep it really simple. Just get a good guitar and do a really good amp with one chord and that's where you're going to get your best tone. And I think it's really true. So. I've been playing Gibson guitars. I've been sticking. I've stuck with Gibson, and then also Epiphone, which is the uh, the, the sister company. Yeah, your signature and, uh, models. My signature models, but those are good guitars. And uh, you know, the Les Paul is what I've always played. It's a you know, it's a classic rock and roll guitar, going back 50 years now. And, and uh, I think I grew up playing a Les Paul originally because it was the guys that I looked up to, you know, the Jimmy Pages, the Ace Freelys, the Davy Johnstones, these guys were playing Les Pauls, and I dreamed about having a Les Paul when I first played, it. was learning to play guitar, and eventually I got one, so I would have never imagined having a signature model later on like I do, so. So it's the Les Paul, and then I, uh, my amplifiers are called Hughes and & Kentner, and they're German made, and they're really, you know, it's a high-end German amp, uh, they're tube amps, very old school, so they're really like a good old Marshall, actually. Uh, they're really warm, they're really loud, and I use 300 watt Hughes and Kenner heads and three 412 cabinets on stage. And uh, actually, these days with the in-ears though, we don't even have the cabinets on the stage. Our cabinets are underneath the stage uh, because you don't really need them there because you're hearing everything in the in-ear monitors. You get your monitor mixed that way. Yeah. I do have one cabinet under Eric's drum riser pointing at me on stage because I need it for getting Sometimes I, I get a feedback sound where you're sustaining a note. Yeah. And uh, so I have that up there for that to kind of help with the tone a little bit. But it's pretty straight ahead. I don't use any effects except in uh, my guitar solo. When I get towards the end of the solo, I put an octave divider on it, which is a, it makes the, the, the regular sound, but an octave below it, so it's a really ominous sound. And that's just on a, for the uh, uh, uh thing at the end of the solo. But in the middle of Lick It Up, when we do that who part, the blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. I put a chorus effect on for that, and then Do You Love Me, which is in the encores now, there's a part, you know, the, the bridge, the backstage pass, I'm playing a, a, a Peggio part, and that's got a chorus effect on it. Cool. Yeah, there you go, Pretty for simple. all you gearheads. Yeah. Last question. 
what do you want people to remember about you? Mm. Wow, that's heavy. I know. <laughs> it's a good way to end it, though. Well, I hope that uh, you know I can be an influence, a positive influence on people. I, my dad taught me to really uh, try to help people and, and, and be giving, and uh, it's kind of our civic duty. So I hope maybe people would remember me as a guy that tried to help out and, and uh, you know contribute to society and try to help people or organizations, which I try to do uh, when I can. And I think we all have to try to give, and I know it's hard because we're trying to make ends meet. And these and we have problems and issues and things, but. Uh, Try to contribute something to, to life and to your your community. And, and I know it sounds corny, but I think it's really the the heart, really of what it's all about. And just relationships, the people, and you know, nurturing good relationships. You know, my dad also told me, make sure people like you. You know, and yeah. I, I stuck with me that, and I think it's helped me that, you know, you're not kissing people's ass, but just get along with people and make an effort to to be like and be a good person. So hopefully, I could be remembered that way. the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. Download your free, free copy of the KISS School of Marketing. 11 Lessons I Learned Working with KISS. The number one downloaded business book on Noise Trade. Go to books.noisetrade.com slash Michael Brandvold. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.